Hello, everyone. Welcome to Frame Trap. Uh, we're shooting this pre-4th of July, so hopefully you guys all had a great weekend and got out there and celebrated. Uh, on this holiday episode, kind of, I'm joined by Brandon Jones. Hello. And Daniel Bloodworth. Yep. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Moore, and I always love uh, holiday episodes of Frame Trap because, like, the the beginning banter question is always taken care of for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any big 4th of July plans? What are you doing? I got no clue. You got, got no clue. So it's not that you don't have plans. It's that you don't know what you will be doing, but you will be doing something? Um, I have no plans. Okay. I could make plans in the next day and a half, but I yeah. have no plans currently. Sometimes that's kind of nice, though. Like, I don't know. Maybe this is not true for everybody, but the older I get, the more I like cherish being like, I'm not doing anything on that day. Not having plans? <laughs> yes, not when having you, plans. When you're not sure what the next day brings and you check the calendar and it's nothing, yes. you're just like, who gave that to me? Some other force other than myself gifted me that day. I think I think yeah. I'm at a point in my life where not having plans is better than having plans. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Brandon, what about you? You got anything going on? Uh, I'm going to go hang out with my parents. My brother's going to be there. Nice. Uh, and some family friends and uh, also... You know, having plans, you know, provided for me, having the schedule provided for me. My two-year-old is basically going to be everybody's plan. We're just going to, like, watch that kid run around. <laughs> yeah. That'll just be, that'll be our entertainment for the day. You know, uh, Brandon, I don't, you know, I don't hang out with you and your family, but I feel like I've been around you long enough where you'll be like, oh, you know, I'm going to have, like, dinner with my parents or, like, just hanging out with the family. It seems like you're really close with your family, which is is always a nice thing. It doesn't I've, happen to everybody. I've always had, yeah, they were, I never I never left the, the, the nest. I can, you know, drive to where I went to high school you yeah. know, in a very short amount of time. Um, so, yeah, it's always been nice. And my brother, too. Like, we went to school abroad, but it's nice that, like, we're all, all still around. Nice. Yeah, I'm actually seeing my family for the first time in, like, a year and a half, and it's like... You know, my sister is like 18 years younger than me, and so it's like, wow, she's into wow. like skateboarding and Marvel now, and it's just like way different. I'm pretty sure like the last time she was into like, I don't know, like some like Barbies and stuff. So it's just a, it's just a totally different, different world. Uh, but speaking of like Fourth of July plans, I think the best game to start off with here, really a Fourth of July game in a way, is Mario Golf. Yeah, yeah, yeah? it's time. It's, <laughs> it's hot. It's time to hit the links. Yeah. So, Brandon, I'm gonna kick off things with you because you're, you're reviewing Mario Golf. I have also played some Mario Golf, and then Blood, uh, you've played some Mario Golf at least on the group stream. Maybe you've played more than yeah, that. Yeah, just the group stream. Uh, I'm not sure, but uh, we had quite a lot of fun in the group stream. How has that? either complimented or been different from your review process, Brandon? I, I'm at the, I'm in like the, I'm coming down after the experience. Like yeah. I'm in, reality is setting in. That our, the group stream was actually really good. Every now and then, <laughs> every now and then Huber, some developer crosses some line with Huber and Huber gets really sour. Like he's usually really, really positive on stuff, but every now and then he's just like, you know, I can't stand the lack of content. And Damiani talked about that a lot too. Mm-hmm. And, I don't know if they have gone. I think one of the big things that a lot of the allies probably haven't done is the adventure mode, which is the, like the almost the first thing I did. Mm-hmm. I play, took it camping, and my Joy Cons went goofy, and I like fixed it, but then it broke. Then I fixed it, but then it broke. But that was kind of stressful. But right when I got home from camping, uh, I dove into the campaign, and that took about a day and a half. And I was like, okay, there's enough there that's not in the other things that like I can definitely spend like a week with this game and still, you know, be very entertained, still feel like I'm checking out new stuff and getting yeah. better. Um, 
But at the same time, yeah, comparatively to other sports games that have happened, I didn't play soccer. I'm trying to think. Like, what were the other extreme Mario games on the Switch specifically? Uh, Mario Tennis Aces, which I didn't okay. put any time into Mar- either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I put I a little I'm, bit of time into that for some reason, I think. I can't. I don't know if that was a group stream. Or... I'm, I'm guessing I'm revealing my hand here a little bit, but I also think Mario Tennis Aces was pretty disappointing. Hmm. Like, in a weird way, where, like, I played Mario Tennis Aces. I think I might have played all of the campaign, but it was like something I played and then immediately forgot, mm. and it just didn't hit me the same way that the original Mario Tennis did on like N64, and I don't know if it was just a different time or if these games haven't evolved that much or, or, yeah. or what it is. But yeah, it's funny because I really was excited to play Mario Golf with my wife, and I was like, oh, you know, this is something nice and fun and simple that we can enjoy together. And we did, like, <clears throat> one course, and I was like, yeah, I'm good. Like, it just <laughs> it just felt so basic, and it was fine. You know, there there is, a, I think, an inherent joy to Mario Golf. And getting a, I got a more well-rounded experience on the group stream, and I really like, like, Battle Golf, for instance. But just, like, visually and in terms of content, it's like I it, – it, it's one of those games where you – Boot it up and you're like, I have definitely played this before. I don't know. I wonder when games like this get established if this was all they were able to create in the amount of time that, you know, before from the day they started development to when Nintendo said that this game is coming out. Or if Nintendo kind of said ahead of time, we want it to be yay big. Like, we want mm. to have all the rest of this stuff be DLC. Right. And, we you know, we don't want the game to be, you know, uh, much bigger than that, as in the case of Aces as well. Like, I wonder yeah. if that's a directive because it's hard, like so many things with the Nintendo, it's hard to like say they're doing it wrong. Because I'm sure this game's going to sell very well. And the other thing that I want to get to in a second, but I am, I do want to talk about lack of content. I, I'm having so much fun. I just it's <laughs> it's my favorite sports franchise that Mario does. Sure, even more yeah. than like Kart, you know, because I've just I always get destroyed at Kart. I have a lot oh. of fun playing it, but it's the one I'm like good at. You know, it's um, and it's just so chill and um, it's like super goofy now, which puts a smile on my face. But undeniably, it's, there's not a lot going on. You can get through it very quick. Yeah, I don't I don't know how true it is, but somebody I I saw had commented that Camelot is just not even a very large team. It's like sure. 45 people or something. Hmm. So I wonder if that's part of it, you know, and, you know, I, I, I just, yeah, I wonder what, like, actually is behind, you know, you know, our perceived lack of content. And I think part of that, too, also goes back to, you know, just over time, you know, we just expect more and more out of games. So something that well, yeah. would have been relatively simple back in the day is like, well, now that's, that's not enough. You know, if you think about, like, Star Fox 64 or Wave Race and the amount of content they have, it's kind of laughable mm-hmm. <laughs> by today's standards. One example of something that's weird is you start the adventure mode and, and Birdo's in charge of your house mm. and, like, Charging Chuck is there and Boo's there and you're like, yeah. okay, I, I get these neighbors and they all have different specialties and they all, like, want to be proficient in one thing over another. And I was like, oh, this is neat. I'll, like, learn with them. You know, like what I will, um, you know, get better at, and then they'll all teach me. I'll go on a little adventure, and then like Birdo's here. That's neat. Like an hour later, I wasn't I was gone. Like I never went back. I think I went to Birdo like right before the whole campaign was over, and Birdo was like, "Good luck out there." And I'm like, "Cool. What a, huh. what a what a neat relationship I've built with Birdo." There's just like so much talking at the beginning of the adventure. It kind of sets up like this is your house, and it's like it's just a it's a button you push before the next campaign thing starts. Yeah, and so kind of sells itself at the beginning as being bigger than it is. And you just blaze through all of those courses. Hmm. But at the same time, 18 takes like 
almost two hours sometimes, depending mm. on how many people you're playing with or yeah. like how much you're really analyzing each shot. So you look at a map and it's just like, oh, that one, you know, uh, rainy area is just one biome that you get to go to. But it's like you could spend a lot of time there if yeah. you're really enjoying the mechanics and want to get better at it. it. It's a little strange, though, because I think some ideas and before I continue, I just want to say that my hair looked fine before I left my apartment. <laughs> And something happened between getting in my car, coming here. So I, I don't know what's going on with I my hair. I think it's the helmet you use on your motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. that like, can really... I've tried to fix it multiple times. It's driving me nuts. So my hair... I, does it look strange? No. I mean, it's, it's, it's fine it's a, me, ki- you know. it's a killer swoop, bro. It's just... No, it's just... It's like, it's like getting... I, I don't know. It feels if it's, strange. Yeah, it's distracting me. Yeah, if it's getting in your eyes and stuff, yeah. then that's... Anyway... This was not the look I was going for. I think it should be the the statement of the podcast. Anyway, back to Mario Golf. So, Brandon, I think kind of what crystallized my Mario Golf on Switch experience for me was, like, I was so excited to check out Speed Golf. Yeah. Because I remember watching the trailer with you guys, and we were like, that is going to be so much fun. It's so wild. Like, it, it just was something that I think kind of lit everybody up. Uh, in a way, and that I remember doing speed golf with my wife, and I'm like, "This is, this is not that different. Like, you can't even like mess with each other that much. Right, like, you right. have the supers, and they can do some work, and like occasionally you'll get some interaction, but a lot of it is just kind of, you know, people just running to their ball and like playing normal golf. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a, a as transformative yeah. as I think I." envisioned it in my mind and i don't feel like i expected that much <laughs> the op- the open world fan in me always likes running around the mushroom kingdom whenever i can like it's fun to just like explore things that's why i yeah. love diddy kong racing because you can really just fly around and like see everything from all angles so like i do like running around these courses it's fun to like jump off cliffs and stuff like that and some of like the weirder um adventure modes um but i think what they were trying to go for and the one thing that i think i agree with like almost everything that you're saying i think the one thing that i could see them Bringing to the sport that is interesting is there's two different ways you can play speed golf. One setting you can do is just time. So it doesn't matter mm-hmm. how many strokes you have, it's just time. Mm-hmm. And so you really start to evaluate, like, doesn't matter how good my shot was. Right. You kind of get in that mindset sometimes when it's like a par five. And you're like, if you get in the rough, who cares? It doesn't matter. Like, right. I just need to go that way. You know, so it really doesn't, you know, 20 yards here, 30 yards there. I mean, we're all going to end up on the green at the same time. And so it puts a different it's interesting to kind of shift your thinking in that way to just like you need to get this thing off the ground before mm-hmm. you you know like don't worry so much about aiming until you finally get to the end there uh, and you really just don't want to hit putt it too hard but you even like don't want to worry about you know getting you know putting it too close it's just keep that momentum going and when i would get to moments like that i'd be like ah that's cool like that's a neat that's what mario should be doing to sports is like speeding it up in a yeah. fun way yeah. that's unexpected it's just there's so much glitz and glamour, and it's for somebody like me who's played a lot of Mario Golf. It's just not it's not that tough. Like playing right. against the AI, it's not tough. Right. And um, luck has a lot to do with it. And so it just it, it doesn't it doesn't provide a com, you know competition in the way I think it's like going for. But circling back around to Battle Golf, which you did on the screen, that that was the most fun I've had mm-hmm. with the game yet, and it, it actually kind of gave me the feeling that I wanted the speed golf to give me where. You know, there was there was palpable tension of like multiple allies going for the same hole. Eh, boy, that's a line. Um, <laughs> and just like trying to get it done very quickly. And the matches were quick, and they were exciting, and then they were tense. 
and I was like really engaged with it. And then I remember you saying, "Yep, there's only two maps." Yeah. And I was like, "Well, <laughs> well I guess we've seen right. it." It's like two versions of the same map, basically. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like there should be a, a Bowser's Castle version right. of that mode. Like, come on now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the thing. It's like you think about that mode and how much fun it is and like how many Mario settings or yeah. like hazards they could put into it. And it just, I don't know, it just feels a little bit like a very good idea that I had legitimate fun with. But I don't know, it felt like there could have been more done with it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I kind of have that feeling about overall. And, you know, I haven't seen the whole game. I'd like to see see more of it. But I just, you know, I, I was telling you this the other day. Just like, is there stuff that feels more like Mario? Like, do it do what I actually want more like a Mario mini golf? Probably, you know. Mm. It's like I just want craziness. I want yeah. crazy shots. I want ricochets. I want, you know, like sticky golf balls. You know, like uh, when they uh, the Yoshi power up where everyone turned into eggs and they were too big to go down the hole, like. Stuff like that is what I kind of want to see more of. One mode, that and it feels yeah. like in a lot of ways it just it's it's golf with Mario in it, and there's a little bit of a twist, but it's still just kind of vanilla in a way. One mode that I'm surprised is not competitive. Um, it kind of is. It's basically battle mode, but you just play it solo. Is there's a course and only a couple of the holes are open and you can get them in any order that you want and they're like a lot uphill and downhill and there are these little like wind gusts that you have to like try to hit the ball into to get them up. Mm. Um, and so like that was fun and made me think strategically. It was interesting going yeah. like backwards, you know, to try to like save some time. Um, so the adventure mode does get creative. It's just, um, yeah, what we said before, it's just, you know, it doesn't take that long to get through it. Sure. But uh, how long does Adventure Mode? I haven't touched. Admittedly, I haven't touched. It's like a day and a half, so I think. Like okay, six hours, five, six hours. Okay, um, uh, hmm. depending on how much time I had to play, I can't remember how much I played the first day. But um, uh, it doesn't sound too bad on the face of it, but it also is not like an RPG. Well, yeah. <laughs> but it's so funny that you say that because I feel like most of the time I'm reviewing RPGs, and so like I'm just used to like. Anywhere from 30 to 60 hours of playtime. So anytime anybody says six hours, it's like, one sitting, yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that wasn't counting the single player stuff I did, and then I played a bunch of stuff online. Uh, still haven't done any split screen. Still haven't done tested the motion controls. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think one of the first disappointing things was like the second – the second time that the bar goes up, it's not like an accuracy play now. It's just like take this time to do other right. things, but like we're gonna stop it on the bar for you. And I was like, oh, that was always kind of a fun, you know, you'd be sweating that. But if you, know, you do, just like I gotta nail it on the second, yeah, the second That's go around. It's kind of confusing to me because if you do stop it like right at the top, it says like nice shot. So that to me implies that it does improve your shot somehow. It's but maybe not. Basically, basically what you're doing, it's it's stopping itself. Like you could just put the controller down and it'll right. stop and you'll hit the ball. It's just if you want to move it in the air, mm. uh, up, down, left, or right. If you do the D pad, it just does straight north, south, east, west. If you do the analog stick, you can kind of diagonal gotcha. it if you want. And yeah, then, it feels it feels like it's hard to botch a shot. I think is is kind of what this all comes down to. Once you kind of get the sense of what's going on, yeah, like mm. you, I, I, I really have to be. And again, like I don't. It's well, it kind of feels nice because like you guys will be talking about Souls games and you'll be talking about racing games. Mm. Yeah, Hubert will be talking about shooters. I'm good at this games, and yeah. it's like it's not. Yeah, I was surprised. I was like, oh, I thought it would have a little bit more teeth. I thought it would be. I wanted to get to battle mode in the campaign, or they like really kind of push you that way when you finish the adventure mode. They're like, now go play battle mode because you can use your me. I was like, oh, neat. And I'm like, oh, I hope this is really tough. And like, you know, it's hard to hard to lose at that. Um, but uh, there's more stuff coming, which Damiani reminded me of. And 
Well, uh, you, you talked about teeth. How is the competition online? That's um, the real question. It's hard to... <laughs> It's tough because sometimes Bowser's surprisingly good. Definitely the character I've seen on the most intimidating. Mm-hmm. He's got um, a great outfit. High-skilled high players love to love their Bowser. They love to get that power. They can they can handle the rest of his uh, uh, control issues as long as they can get that past two hundred yards. Um, but the the only the main issue I find with people online is you get somebody who just takes a nap. You know, it's just <clears> like it takes so long to get back to player four. That would drive me insane. Luigi just staring at the hole. You're like, come on, God damn it, come on, Luigi. Toad, let's yeah. do it. But um, I had a good time, it, and it's also it's also tough because these are, you know, this is a long commitment sometimes, and, right. and there's a lot of settings, which is great. There's a lot of different things you can do to customize, you know, the experience. But I'm just watching the, you know, person going through the settings. It's like, uh oh, what are you? Uh oh, <laughs> strong wind. Like, why? What are you doing? <laughs> but um, it's pretty fun. Um, man, this was I, I've, I'll I'll get into it. This is a very switch focused episode, but. Um... I remember the first time I booted up Mario Golf and I got out on the course and I was like, this is not a good looking game. Like, it's just not. It, yeah, some of those textures. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, really rough. The, we- the weather effects are fun and I like, you made you made some snide remark on Slack where you were like, they just sprinkled some weird monsters around the course and that's it. <laughs> but it is kind of, I've never played. <laughs> there was one time I just, I couldn't believe, I think I did it twice in a row where like one of those giant boulder guys just walked by and I hit the ball right into his face and then was like, ah, come on. And then mm. I like, did it again. But, um, Dude, how yeah, th- fun would that be to like have like a a, a thing where you're like having oh, sure. having to attack enemies with the golf yeah. balls. Again, yeah, they don't do. You can like, there's a whole thing in the adventure mode where you get strong enough to like knock boulders down and stuff. But like, I never really had to. They oh. did a little of that in the okay. trailer and a little of that during Treehouse. She's like, I'll knock the yeah. worm, and it's just like you can curve so strong in that game. It's like I'm just gonna shoot around it. It's fine. Um, I'm always path of least resistance. I don't like to get creative. <laughs> you know, just like I, again, just like momentum. But because you can run, because there's so much jumping around and really like climbing up cliffs and stuff, like I saw a lot of those textures very up close. And yeah, y- yikes! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had I had a similar response. Some of those grays. Uh, speaking of Switch, I've been spending some time uh, in Monster Hunter Stories Two, mm. and uh, still have a long way to go in that game. So so take these opinions with a grain of salt. I, I find. The way to articulate my current feelings on this game is very difficult, and I worry that I'm going to sound a lot more harsh than I intend to. Nice. And I think part of it is just because the last two major Monster Hunter games, I think, have been just very impressive in terms of their ambition, and even something like Rise is very, very different from Monster Hunter World. And I I think just... Like, the Monster Hunter team seems so full of ideas. And this is just a game that is just, like, not that. It's it's basic, and it's charming, and it's fun, and it's very easy to get lost in. But I'm like, yeah, this this reminds me exactly of my time in Monster Hunter Stories 1. Like, it doesn't mm-hmm. feel, you know, like this this huge leap. Um, and I think it doesn't also have the the kind of novelty that Monster Hunter Stories 1 had, where it was like, okay, we're going to take, you know, this very established franchise and completely put it in a different genre, and we have to, you know, reinterpret the mechanics of this real-time action game into this turn-based RPG. And so that was kind of fun, but, you know, that I, I've already seen them do it once successfully, 
And to their credit, I think a lot of the mechanics in stories are still super fun. Like going around and like getting monsters and then going to your little stable and hatching them and forming this team um, is just super satisfying. And the game gives you a ton to do. I mean, you go out there and I always hate in JRPGs when you like you start the game and then like. 20 hours in, it's like, okay, now you can go and explore the world. Right. Because um, I love, not just in RPGs, but in any genre, I love having access to a big wide open map and going and checking everything off the box. The older I get, the more completionist I become. And to Story 2's credit, like, it doesn't take long and you get, you know, a pretty wide area to explore. And it's like, if you want to go and you just want to go into all these monster dens and you want to gather all these materials and you want to start combining items and getting a ton of potions and all of this stuff, you can go and you, you can do that. And so I really appreciate that. Um, and the art style, which you guys have seen, is just fantastic. I mean, it. I've said it time and time again where I would love a full-blown Monster Hunter um game to take advantage of this style because I think just sort of the cel-shaded cartoony look allows not only the human characters but the monsters themselves to like express so much emotion like you mm-hmm. go and you fight a puke puke and you're like this creature was always meant to be a cartoon like <laughs> he's just this big green lovable goofball that shoots poison out of his tail and like his face gets all puffy and red and it's like the, the you know by being more exaggerated, you feel like even more complete in a way. Um, and so that's that's really nice. But the story is just... It's like the kind of story that is super serviceable, but it like so far is just impossible to get attached to, where it's like... <laughs> it's just like every Monster Hunter story is just doing the same thing over and over again, where it's like, oh no, like... The monsters are going crazy. What's going on? We better go investigate. <laughs> that was going to be my counters. What's the difference? What's the difference in the vibe between this and, and world? The vibe between this and world is there's more talking, I would say. Like, just because of it's a JRPG, I think you spend more time engaging with the story, and I'm not sure that that is helping it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And it's it's fine. Like, the, the characters are... are charming right like the chief is like this big boisterous kind of oh ho, ho, man and you get this companion that was in the first game uh this feline that can talk that huber says he reminds him of meowth and that's not too far off but you know he's like quirky and and fun and you know it's 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 all there's there's like a base level charm there but it's all like pretty shallow and I think if you know what you're going in for, where mm. you're like, I want a simple, fun JRPG that I can just kind of turn my mind off and enjoy, I think that that's what this is. And I, that, I'm enjoying it. It's just not like, oh my God, you know, like this is, this is incredible or like, boy, like this is really taking Monster Hunter in a super fascinating, interesting different way it's like no this is a fun simple rpg made for japanese children is what it is (laughs) and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but it's it's also not um 
There has not been a single moment where I've been like, wow, that was incredible. It's not bringing out your inner Japanese child. <laughs> My inner Japanese child is always <laughs> there. I think, I think that's probably why I'm enjoying well, it. Um, but. Yeah, Monster Hunter Rise always cracked me up because, and World as well, although I've, I've actually played more Rise than World, because it kind of feels like a cult. <laughs> like, it's just, mm. it, it's like Pokemon kind of also, where, like, you just keep getting introduced to new people who like the subject matter, be it catching Pokemon or, you know, hunting mm -hmm. or training monsters, way more than the last person you met. And so there's just kind of like a redundancy to like, yeah, I know we're all super into this, but what else is going on? And it's like nothing else. Right. Like, we are all everything anybody does. Um, why I love Monster Hunter so much is just because it's so cozy and because right. it balances that with a lot of, like, you know, you know, juggling of dessert items and, like, you know, a flamboyishness that's uh, just fun to watch. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that coziness definitely comes through. But, like, I was thinking about it and I was like, uh, in a way, the turn-based nature kind of takes away from what makes Monster Hunter so appealing because they have, like, on a, on a, on some level, they have the mechanics of Monster Hunter, right, where you target different parts of the monster, and if you destroy that part, you'll take away certain abilities from the monster, and you have different weapons that are effective against certain type of creatures and not as effective against others, and it's like, that is all, like, classic Monster Hunter stuff, but what makes Monster Hunter so enjoyable and, like, why I can do the same hunts over and over and over and over again and still be interested is because of the real-time nature of it. It's like, oh, like, fighting a Rathalos is exciting because when it swoops down, like, you have to actually dive out of the way, whereas here it's like, I just have to choose the right thing from the menu. And mm -hmm. that's fine, but it it it's just... I think it's trying to take something and put it in a format where it doesn't, it cannot shine quite as well, uh, if that makes sense. So for Milo, Stories 2 is the bridge to world. Like, I should introduce him to Stories 2 first. Yeah. So I, he can pick up the fundamentals and the terminology. Yeah. Then it's, then it's time for real-time 360-degree dodging. In a way, and I've said this before, but in a way, I think, like, if the Monster Hunter intimidation is still there, I do think stories or stories too is the perfect introduction for you because it, again it will introduce you to some concepts that will make more sense when you go and you play monster hunter but i think you know you talked about that coziness and i think part of that coziness comes from familiarity where it's like okay i know what a rathlos is i know what a puke puke is i know what all these things are and i think that would help and so if Monster Hunter is, like, too intimidating or, like, you just did, you bounced off it or something, I do think that this is, like, a gateway um, into that world. And I, I am hesitant with some of these criticisms, and this is definitely not my fully formed opinion, because I've been doing a lot of wandering around, a lot of collecting stuff, a lot of side stuff, a lot of side quests. So I haven't been plowing yeah. through a lot on the, uh, <laughs> the main story. <laughs> and so maybe the main story gets a lot better and more interesting mm -hmm. and the criticisms that I have kind of melt away I think that could happen but there has been nothing in the main story so far where I'm like oh yeah like this I gotta know what happens next mm -hmm. so yeah Brandon I know you were really interested in stories too um, so yes. can you express that E3 got stories one on mobile and put, yeah. puts through that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, just yeah, got yeah. past other tutorial stuff and so I could see the systems and um and I, I feel like it's probably hard, you know, just with Milo around to, like, commit 
to a lot of RPGs. Right. I would imagine. Like, is this something... Does, do any of these criticisms, I guess, make you feel any differently about Stories 2? Or is this about what you expected? Yeah, it was about what I expected from mm. the attitude of, of the first game and what I, sure. uh, what I saw. Um, but I didn't know... I think I got the first game and then just kind of saw like, okay, here's how the camera works and like, okay, I got right. this and I can have a save file here that I can just jump back into. Then E3 happened, but I think stories, I think I got stories to like four or five, but just drifted across my eyeballs, you know, and every time something's like Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest related, I'm always like, huh? Like yeah. mobile. And this was like, oh, this is the thing and I know the sequel to this is coming out, so I should mm-hmm. check this out. Um, but even just from that small slice, I could tell like, okay, this is a, a very different energy mm-hmm. than what I remember. Not only that, but like, uh, um, just the dialogue and the characters and the music and the world and, and how it was telling its story. But from my experience with Monster Hunter, they throw you into that pretty quickly. Like there are resources that you can have, you know, like long tutorials that you can do or you can completely skip those. And just like, nope, I want to run yeah. right out into the battlefield. So that was like, ah, that's a different vibe. Yeah, obviously. definitely. I actually think Rise specifically because they, they – Rise goes back to the older Monster Hunter style of having offline – single-player quests and online quests. And I do think the offline single-player quests are really good at sort of uh, helping new hunters, and they don't overwhelm mm. you. Is this um, called Stories in Japan? That's do a great you know? question. I think so, yeah. Uh, I think it's a great title <laughs> for, yeah. both, for both of these. Yeah. That really set my expectations. Got it, you know, like Monster Hunter theater mode. <laughs> cool. <laughs> you just kick back. It's like that thing in uh, Guilty Gear where you just watch like the characters <laughs> yell at each other for four hours. You're like, man, set my expectations right there. Thank you. The the <laughs> the talking about the Guilty Gear Strife story in the review was really tough because I was like, okay, I spent hours like mostly getting caught up in the lore, or at least dipping into the lore enough to have like some grasp on what's going on. And then watching the four and a half hours of Strive Story and being like, this is great. <laughs> but if you didn't do that prep work, it like, it's like you're probably watching something in a foreign language without subtitles. Like, that's what it has to feel like. They right. just don't, they just like don't get you up to speed at all. It's crazy. You're watching like <laughs> scenes from the last, for like season eight of Supernatural without right. watching any of it. You're right. like, what? Right, what? What is Characters going on? are dying right and left. You're like, what's happening? Uh, something I do want to bring up, though, is I've been playing Stories 2 on Switch, and this will be a running theme for things that I'll be talking about on Switch. Boy, that frame rate, not great. Mm-hmm. And it's it's such a bummer because, you know, you have this big, open, beautiful world, uh, great art direction, and then you'll just, like, go near a waterfall, and you're like, yeah, it's definitely, the frame rate is definitely plummeting. And it's just, it's just infuriating. Like, I, I, you, <laughs> It, it's a good-looking game, but it is in no way like a technically demanding game. You know right. what I mean? Like you just you, you look at it and you're like, come on, like this shouldn't be happening. And it just well, that's what's surprising to me because to me, Rise looks and performs better than you think it should. Like yeah, it does. There's a sense of like this is this is a Switch game, you right. know? Really? Right. Um. So yeah, it's kind of disappointing that. A game that, in a lot of ways, seems simpler because the combat's turn-based, and right. you know you probably don't have—I imagine you don't have as much verticality in the maps and such. Right. That you would think it, they would be able to make that run better, you know. Right, and blood. I think that kind of, and you know, maybe it's not fair to compare, you know, this side story that clearly has like a 
different objective in mind to a full-blown new Monster Hunter, but I think that that was what was so impressive about Rise was not only from a design standpoint did it really distinguish itself, but it looked and ran fantastic, as you said. And, you know, you get online, and it's like, oh, God, I've had terrible online experiences on Switch. Like, when I play Smash Online, it's like a crapshoot, whether I have a great time or just a miserable time. And I have pretty much had nothing but flawless experiences with Monster Hunter Rise Online. And so it's just like, on every conceivable level, it felt like the game delivered. And this just doesn't have that same spark to it, in a way. Like, it's it's just serviceable. Um, and there's... You know, like I said, I think especially if you're in the mood for it, if you're in the mood to chill and relax and have fun, you can have a very, very good time with it. But it's not, it's, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be one that comes up like at end of the year discussions, sure. let's say. Uh, Blood, I'm very excited that you brought this to Trap because uh, I haven't really gotten to talk about it since I reviewed it a few years ago. <laughs> uh, and that is Metroid Samus Returns. Yeah. Um, this is a game that I really enjoyed and gave a high score to, uh, and I still think of fondly, but is definitely a very divisive game among the Metroid fan base. There's a lot of people that, that didn't like it or were underwhelmed by it, and so I'm curious, you know, you're a very big Metroid fan, uh, what your take on it was. I don't recall that. That that was divisive. I'm I'm looking forward to <laughs> yeah. Maybe into it's, that. maybe it's just the pockets of the internet that I'm looking. Sure, but, yeah, sure. Uh, I wasn't paying very close attention, so I've, I just I don't yeah. I think critically it was pretty well received, but I definitely saw some mm-hmm. backlash among fans. Yeah, I think um, it, yeah. Just to kind of recap, like I you know I got it when it came out and I started it and you know for whatever reason didn't get that far in it and then I got a new 3ds last year after I discovered my original 3ds my launch 3ds the circle padded just like disintegrated over time so i got a you know new 3ds mm-hmm. um but it, it, and i had the intention of playing finally playing through metroid last year and then kind of started and stopped about the same amount of time and so this time okay metroid dread's coming let's play this game it's it's so <laughs> funny that you bring that up because i feel like we get questions all the time and we talk a lot about like oh, man, I got to start this game and I never got to finish it. What feels even worse than that is exactly what you described, where you're like, okay, I really want to play more of that game, and then you pick it back up and you yeah. play like just yes. as much as you originally did. Stardew Valley. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. That, that is the worst. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's the, the way that they, they've kind of, change things up is is interesting i have a lot of kind of back and forth on it it's you know for one it's a difficult game to do a remake of right uh they are i'm sure a lot of people directly compared it to the the fan game which i i never picked up i always feel a little bit weird about this thing's not quite legal should i download it Uh, yeah (laughs) um and it's also, you know, all done in uh, 3D, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is like one of actually turns out to be one of the benefits in that there's just so much more life given to the backgrounds, mm. and there are so many different times throughout the game where it's just like I look back there and there's like this river running and waterfalls and you know all of these other sort of not quite identifiable, you know, uh, hallways and devices and and there's a lot of 
sort of backstory that somebody had to kind of create to decide what's going to be in these spaces that on the Game Boy it was just a black screen. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and they have a lot of that going on. Uh, I think the, for me, the biggest detriment to playing the game is just the 3DS itself. Yeah. <laughs> going going back and, and trying to play on the 3DS again after so long um, and playing uh, an action game like that with a circle pad, it just it's kind of tiring to me. It's tiring yeah. to hold it. It's tiring to sit in that position. It, using the circle pad has never been something I've been all that fond of. It feels there's just a lot of tension um, always to, to using it back and forth, and, and even though the, the motion of it is fine and like doing like, you know, jumping in between things and all that, I don't have to, too many issues with it. Just the constant like pull of that spring. Yes. There's just something about it like, all right, <laughs> this is, I'm, I'm, I'm tired of this for now. I'm, I'm going to go to bed. That pull of the spring, like you feel it so <laughs> tangibly, you know, like yeah. you're just like this. This feels like it could break at any moment. Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing is I have this weird thing with the 3DS where I really, I feel like somewhat incomplete if I don't play in 3D. Oh, interesting. There is a depth, that depth I really do appreciate, especially mm. towards some of the, like, the later boss battles and yeah, the backgrounds sure. and stuff. Like it really works really well for this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, there's that constant finickiness of it, right? That it, it, sometimes it'll like you'll get the devil image or whatever, and yeah, I have not turned 3D. I I didn't even think about 3D when I use my 3DS. Like I haven't <laughs> I haven't used 3D on my 3DS in years. Like I just abandoned it, and so it's it like you. You reminded me of something that's in the title of the system. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but design-wise, it's it's an odd duck because they're really crafting a whole new game in in some ways. They're, mm-hmm. The core elements are still the same, right? Uh, and it's a more the most linear Metroid probably, um, in that mm. you know you've got the Metroids evolving, uh, and you have to right. go through and eliminate all of them as they get more and more. Uh, reptilian for lack of a better mm-hmm. word so you know you, you start with ones that are have a kind of a shell on the top of them and and then as time goes on they get more of a body and limbs and, and all of that uh and become more dragon-like uh and and so you can't go through the whole world until you've like cleared these checklists of you need this much dna to lower the yep. the whatever the liquid level <laughs> The acid level, uh, which is purple in 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 the remake, um, and that's a decision they had to make. It's like, okay, we don't want it to look like lava. What do we want it to look like? Mm-hmm. It'll be purple. Um, but I feel otherwise. Like in terms of a lot of the maps and stuff, you know, they're they're kind of just having to create all of that. Um, and I think in some ways that works, and in some ways it it doesn't work. Um, I think that some of the Things that Metroid 2 introduced, like the Spider Ball, are really great. Um, bringing power bombs in from Super Metroid, I wasn't sure about, but what they do in conjunction with the Spider Ball, to where like it can launch you through certain areas, like that's a neat mechanic. Uh, the Aeon abilities, I'm a split on. So I think the scan is cool. Like that's a, a better way of getting a hold of the map and looking around areas than the old X-ray visor. Um, and I think from Metroid. 
from, to uh, uh, specifically from the Game Boy game? The, no, the X-ray visor was in, introduced in Super Metroid. Okay, um, and then uh, the there's a the last Aeon ability that you get where you slow time to go across like the the blocks that fall from under your feet. That's like that's a cool thing, but it's not really used a whole lot. There's like one other section where you're dodging fireballs. Otherwise, it's not used that much. And then the, the shield and the turbo shot, I can just take it or leave it. Mm. They're, they're not that interesting to me. Um, and I guess the other thing that's uh, with the power-ups is I, I feel uh, they leaned a little too far in the Metroid 3 direction. Uh, like having the gravity suit. Like I, I didn't feel a need to have the gravity suit. Mm. It, was just, it just sort of felt like it was there because we've had it. In Super Metroid, we had in the Prime games. Are these spoilers, bro? <laughs> no. Okay. no, no. <laughs> there's a yeah. I mean, you're talking about spoilers. There's there's one thing I like that they changed in the ending, and there's one thing I don't like that they changed in the ending. That's about all I'll say about that. Um, Do you have a fear um, from somebody who doesn't know a heck of a lot about Metroid from experience? Um, remembering all of this from the retrospective, though. Uh, do you worry that a lot of the counter melee stuff that's going to be in Metroid 5 and Dread, um, that that'll kind of maybe have the same consequence where you're just like, do you get so used to it before the end? Or do you think they're going to be able to like shake that up? Make you actually fear like oh, the timing of it? I think that they already shake it up a fair amount with the bosses um, in Samus Returns. Uh, I The first couple of times that I tried it, I really didn't care for the melee counter um, and it wasn't clicking for me. This time, for whatever reason, it just clicked a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it, there's a very specific sound effect that goes with it, so maybe it's a matter of, like, you should probably wear yeah. headphones for this game. Mm. Uh, I think that that helps. Um, but it's interesting because you mentioned, you know, like, the the source material that they're taking for Samus Returns yeah. is a Game Boy game, and I think it, like, limits it so much. And you talked about, like, how they basically had to... Uh, create these environments and, and visualize them in a way that wasn't possible in the Game Boy. And I think what is also interesting about the Game Boy game is its its whole design of, like, you having a counter and hunting down Metroids, right? Like, that was presumably done because of the limited hardware, right? Like, it's a very basic sort of objective. Did you feel like the the that structure was... I guess, reinterpreted here in a meaningful way? Uh, did it ever feel repetitious to you? Because, like, a negative that comes to my mind thinking about Samus Returns is you talked about, like, the Metroids getting more reptilian, and you definitely fight, like, the same type of boss yeah. again and again and again. Yeah, it, it, it certainly is, you know. Um, you know, one of the, the weaknesses of the design in general is that, yeah, before you get to a new version, you know, fighting one Alpha Metroid or one Zeta Metroid against another, you know, comparing that fight against another, it's it's basically the same fight. Right. And I think it might also make it slightly worse that they have these elaborate counter animations. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Samus is going to jump up in its face and get around its back the exact same way and pull its neck back. And, and all of those things uh, do kind of get repetitive. One thing I had noticed with um, the the last set, though, the Omega Metroids, uh, is that they did seem to like visually be a little bit different, or at least the last Omega Metroid looked a little bit more evolved than the others, or it mm-hmm. had like more scaling on it, more like the Queen Metroid in a way. Uh, so I thought that that was interesting that it wasn't 
entirely like the same character model there. Uh, I do think that the the ice beam is like super nerfed in this game. Mm. <laughs> you have to select it separately. It doesn't combine with your other beams. Uh, and uh, and what's funny is I've always thought this, uh, even with Metroid 2, the basic standard Metroids are still way more threatening than <laughs> any of these Metroid boss fights. Mm. <laughs> yeah, they're very. They just put you into panic. The yeah. way that they That's latch was, onto you. That was the first word that came to mind. Was panic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but with the ice beam in this one, it's like you, you've got like a second and a half mm-hmm. to to shoot that missile after you freeze, it, and then it just unfreezes. Like just, and there's not really a lot of places where you use uh, like enemies as platforms. It, it's not. Absent, there are points when you can do that, but mm-hmm. it's it's not the kind of mechanic that was really prevalent in the first three games. Yeah. Um, so now that you've played through this, mm-hmm. right, and we have Metroid Dread uh, really getting a lot of excitement at E3, and I think getting a lot of excitement from us, do you have more faith or more concerns for Metroid Dread and Mercury Steam after after completing this this game? I think I have more faith. Um, I think that some of the things they've done in here uh, with the grappling beam, uh, mm-hmm. there's a lot of extra little things that you pull and times where you use the grappling beam to like yank enemies off of the ceiling and, and that kind of thing. I think that was uh, a creative thing. And again, the grappling beam was not even part of Metroid 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I do hope that they can get away from repeating like, Every Super Metroid ability again, <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. that's one again with the the gravity uh, the gravity suit and the super missiles. Like I just didn't feel like they were really like that significant uh, to need to to come back here. Whereas like in Super Metroid, you get the gravity suit and it's, it unlocks this whole region that the only reason that you couldn't explore it before is because you you know you couldn't traverse through it. And and with this, the regions just unlocks sequentially and there's not a whole lot of that kind of thing and that's another one of my criticisms in it it's partly a consequence of being a metroid 2 remake but there's no reason to backtrack other than to backtrack Mm. and to pick up items well that's that was a question that i had for you is despite the very linear nature of the game do you feel like the obligatory uh, hidden items you know your, your energy tanks and your missile tanks and that sort of thing do you feel like those were satisfying to collect i do i actually think they did a good job with that as well because i feel like uh in a lot of past metroid games it'll just be like you shoot the right tile Mm -hmm. and you see the thing and you pick it up and there are some of those but there are a lot of sort of mini mazes and mini puzzles and okay what do i need to do i see it i know and especially with a scan ability which shows you all the items Mm -hmm. if, if you're if they're in the vicinity but it's like, I know where this is, but the route to get there is on some other screen or requires some ability I don't have yet or something like that. And so I think that's good, but then it's, again, there's there's nothing like Super Metroid where you go up an elevator and you realize like, oh, I'm back at the beginning of the game again. And, mm. you know, there's, there's none of that kind of surprise that yeah. you, you get from those games traditionally. Um, and... Again, that's partly due to the just the classic Metroid 2 design, but maybe they should have broken away from that a little bit more mm. um, to give you a reason to go back other than being a completionist. 
It's funny that you talk about kind of the the cramming of elements from Super Metroid into Samus Returns, and it's like, it almost is like, well, maybe from their perspective, it's like, <laughs> Metroid just disappears for such long periods right. of time that, like, <laughs> I can imagine being like, wait, it's been... <laughs> 10 years like let's let's try to throw as much as we can yeah well there. i feel like that with the music too because mm. one of my you know disappointments of the soundtrack is there you know i know there are like some themes or yes yeah, some songs in, in metroid 2 that are like not that great they're just kind of ambient and weird noises mm -hmm. but there's some songs in there that i really like and i felt like they didn't get used that much mm. you know the very iconic oh. songs that okay I, it was there and i like that arrangement that they did but it was just seemed like it was very brief towards the beginning of the game and then as i got farther into the game i just okay i'm hearing lower norfare again and i'm hearing you know one of the brinstar meridia themes and and stuff from super metroid more than i'm hearing stuff from metroid 2 oh, hmm. interesting uh, so that's a, good observation. <laughs> that's a weird thing there too um one thing i do like that they added was the whole crazy Mining robot, which actually looks a lot like one of the the Emmy in Metroid Tread. Oh, uh, so you saw this two times. Both times it steals your item before you pick it up. Uh, the first one is sort of like a chase, and it just kind of grinds through all the passageways and and alters them. Uh, and you, so you see power ups and like, oh, I want to get that. But it's like, nope, there's this thing coming. You got to get out of the way. That is. That is such a that reminds me of Mega Man X, really right? Explicitly, yeah. Uh, and then the boss fight. Uh, when you actually confront it uh, to get the power bombs, uh, it's very complex. There's a lot of different uh, waves to it, and it keeps changing. And it, it took me a l probably more tries than any other boss in the game. Blood, okay, because there was definitely a boss, and it was it only was one boss in Samus Returns that I felt like I really struggled with, mm -hmm. and I, it must have been that boss. Like I, I'm having a hard time remember specifically, but yeah, like it has just a ton of different i guess phases or steps to completing it yeah man now i kind of want to play this before replay <laughs> it before metroid dread comes out yeah so i think yeah that boss the queen and there's one other boss um that were all sort of towards the end that they pushed you a lot more than any of the right the other metroids before them cool brandon uh <laughs> sometimes somebody brings a game like blood brings a lot of like any games where it's like, oh, I've never heard of that before, and it's it's like fun, you know, you hear about it for the first time, and then every once in a while, somebody's like, I decided to go back to this, and I'm yeah. like, what what made you go back to the Crew Two? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Ubisoft press conference. Ah. So I um, I move, you know, like many other things I will talk about uh, here at EC Allies. It always comes back to Milo, and uh, I just moved, and there's a lot of small planes that fly over my house now. And Milo, of course, is just, like, obsessed with all of that. So they're actually, they're just, like, big jets flying over and, um, you know, but at a greater distance. So I'm just, like, looking at these planes, and I keep I kept thinking about Microsoft Flight Simulator. And that's such a – I know it's smaller now, but I remember that was such a laborious process of, like, actually getting that up and running. Worth it, but uh, it took a while. And so I was always thinking, like, well, maybe I'll wait till it comes out on Xbox, and then that'll be a reason to dive back in. Because I'm curious, like, fly over my neighborhood and – uh, and then we were, they were just doing their montage in the Ubisoft press conference. I was like, oh, yeah, The Crew. And I'm like, I own that. I could just download that tonight. Well, I had that on PS4, and you, I couldn't play it on PS5. Really? I'm like, I'm not going to – I don't know if I – because I got it for free or something. There was something. It just had a little icon on the top right. I was like, nope, you can't. 
It was with all these other PS4 games that I could just boot right from that menu on my PS4. A lot of times when I've seen that, it's because you've had a demo, but so I don't know. I mean, that was the that was the console I played. That was the console we did a you know our uh, conversations with the crew two on, and huh. so I was like, okay, somebody I said it might have been on Game Pass, but I saw it on Steam for like. 10, 15 bucks or something. They had sure. some, like Ubisoft was doing some sale during E3. We're going to find stuff. out that you have that on Xbox. And they said, of course. Because um, I'm pretty sure I play most racing games on Xbox when I have the choice. Well, see, yeah, <laughs> um, well, it's the other thing, too, is I don't know if you could, well, you probably play it on Series X, but uh, anyway, I have it on PC now. Um, and uh, it, there is new content that was added to it, but um, as just an open world fan, you know, it's been really fun. Uh, mm. One of the things that they do well that I remember is you can bounce between a lot of different content very, very fast. And I remember it loaded pretty well, but like on the PC, it's it's uh, lickety split, just jumping around. So it's fun to like zoom in and out of the map and, and check stuff. But uh, Oh, yeah, the loading times in those games are insane, just yeah. just in general. like I, I don't know what kind of witch magic they used the, I mean the, for, for that map. The consequence is the you know, layout of a lot of the you know, locations in the U.S. that I've been to are kind of hilariously represented. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, but... I uh, love making fun of that. Yeah, and there are some, there's some areas. I think Niagara Falls is the one where I was like, <laughs> it would have been best just literally not to even call it Niagara Falls. Just don't even put it <laughs> right? on the map. Don't even, it's not even there. Like, it's just a spot on the map called Niagara Falls. And I, I flew around, drove boats. So I was like, where is it? <laughs> it's just, there's nothing. There's Isn't a couple that, waterfalls here, but there's nothing. <laughs> Isn't that a, the, the major, one of the major selling points of the game, though, is, is the cross-country nature of it? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And yeah. they straight up skip stuff, like San Diego's. Now, there was a lot of stuff as a California. I was like, oh, I'm surprised you just kind of went over that city. But it's like, I think that was the smart thing to do, is like, just do it or don't. Um, but there are a couple things they put on the map. Like, Vegas is, is pretty... It's pretty Vegas. Like, there's oh, not a yeah, lot Vegas of, is one of the more complex areas. Like, there's a areas, ton more yeah. dumb hotels and parking lots outside of the main strip. But like every every Boat major races through those every major landmark stuff, yeah. is it's all there. Um, and uh, and again, I know I just kind of touched upon it, but um, you know you can clearly see on the map the stuff that you have done, stuff that you haven't, stuff that just got unlocked. Plus, there's a menu that you can scroll through. It took me a while to find actually on my first playthrough that I like, immediately went to to just be like, all right, one race, next race, next race. Um, so it was just a nice, uh, it was like Ubisoft was that first day or second day. Ubisoft was pretty early on in E3, I mm-hmm. believe. And so it was, I knew I was going to get home and have like an hour before I was going to pass out and have to come in and do more E3 the next day. And so it was nice like to have something that like, you know, wasn't required of me. And there's like new film stuff. Have you seen this? There's no. new like Universal Studios style backlot. Oh, okay. Jumping through billboards and craziness. Nice, and, nice, nice. I like jumping um, through billboards. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's a lot Burnout, of... It's kind of like what GTA Online did where, you know, they set up a lot of point-to-point races uh, on the map that was available in GTA Five, and then later added, you know, like, you can put in ramps now, and you can basically just build your own crazy tubes and jumps, and, you know, you can, like, have cars flying through the air. Um, so that's fun. Uh, I, my number one thing against the Crew 2 is the voiceover. It's just, like just so bad all over the place it's just and it's not necessarily the performances it's just like they have this weird there's like 16 disciplines there's four major categories and then four disciplines within each category and some of those are super wild like uh um hello when you're riding around a car and a big fan in a balloon what am i thinking of it can go on water it can go on land oh hovercraft hovercrafts um like that's one of them airboat and a lot of them like a lot of these characters that specialize in these different things like yell at each other and like hate each other and they're like that guy doesn't know what real racing is and it's like I don't care dude let me just do the race like I don't <laughs> like they just bicker a lot and it's such a strange vibe <laughs> it's like why 
It's like th- this world of yours doesn't exist. Like you're talking about nonsense because there's no, there's no. We got the X Games. It's about as crazy as we get when it comes to this. And this is clearly like the entire U.S. has been bought out by all these commercial, you know, uh, um, interests. You know, to make this big wild race that like everyone's into. Um, but it's just kind of goofy and silly in that way. And so every now and then they get like really serious. Like they talk about like drag racing. It's like, come on, skip. I think I listened to those monologues when I first played Crew 2 and gleefully skipped every single one. <laughs> uh, it's, it's funny that you talk about like, the voiceover being a major problem. Uh, and I wouldn't say it's a major problem, but you, you made me think of Forza Horizon, which I think is excellent. And every time I dip into it, I have a great time. But there's something about like the the voiceover that accompanies you. Yeah, yeah, the festival. It's like, <laughs> it's like trying to be like fun and hip. And it's fine, but it's just like it it does. It creates like a weird vibe. It just feels like it's trying like slightly too hard. This is why Need for Speed started to piss me off. It's just like, what are you doing? Don't put these weird stop. I oh, do yeah. feel like it to, <laughs> I guess to argue for Need for Speed, like <laughs> it's not Need for Speed if it isn't like a little cringe inducing, right? Like that, <laughs> I, I feel was like that, that is kind of part of the shift of that. I can't remember. Like, did Most want to come out after Hopper Suit or was that Yes. I know they made like I mean, two or three Hot Pursuits. Well, yeah, so they did. Yeah, Most Wanted definitely came out after Hot Pursuit, okay. but then they r- made new games that had those names later. Yeah. Um, when uh, Criterion started making them, but all the story nonsense you can skip so quickly. It's just fun to kind of revisit, you know, just to see like um, all these different landmarks like from a distance, and just like oh, I remember this, and like bounce around. Um, and uh, it, was just, it was very easy, accessible content. The game booted up super fast. It was just yeah. not, it was a, it was a very relaxing thing to do after a, a long day of work. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool hearing this because like you're not a racing game guy, but this is not something really, yeah. that can I think appeal to you and you can get some satisfaction from yeah. based on other genres that you never like, played yeah. a Horizon game, but I've always, I'm, I've always been very very close. This place, holy love, cow, is one of the prettiest would, yeah. games I've ever seen in my life. I think I might. I think I might check out five. Yeah, um, five. I mean, you can get four on Game Pass too. So, but there's just something about oh, and, and not to mention just you know flying a plane low and then just like hop, I'm in a boat. Wee. Yeah, know? that is pretty like cool. like a transformer. It's pretty fun. Uh, and they add, again just there's it's been out for so long. There's so much content, hours mm-hmm. and hours and hours and hours of stuff to do. And they added like an achievement system. So there's like a whole separate currency for like emotes. Whatever you know, like weird, weird decals you can put above your car to emote. Who cares? But oh yeah, you can um, in Horizon the same. You can do all the dress I, up and emotes yeah, and all. I that I do stuff. like mini little achievement systems because they sometimes remind me of like controls I forgot work a certain way or sure. functionality of cars and stuff. So it's neat to see. And just in the limited amount of time I invested in it, it's neat for them to be like you've flown a million miles or whatever. I'm like, oh, cool. Um, you know, uh, Ubisoft gets uh, a lot of justifiable flack, but mm. something that mm. I do think they do well is is that support. Yeah. And it's like there's so many games where you've you've been away for six months or a year or whatever, and you come in and it's like this is like the whole new game. <laughs> Almost, yeah, it's I well, not a whole new game, maybe not that far. But I shouldn't yeah. be conflicted by it, but it's funny because they have this like long hour long pre show before their E3, and it's like I see these games like I still. Yeah, <laughs> you're still talking about this game, yeah. and it's I, I we, we should applaud. Yeah, we should totally celebrate and be like, how awesome for this community to be. Yeah, you know, I, I for kinda, honor, man. Yeah, for honor. Yeah. For honor's well, been out for years, and they've added so much stuff to it. Yeah, yeah. There, there is that part of me whenever they talk about Elder Scrolls Online that I'm like, never played it. Go for it, Elder Scrolls. Yeah, <laughs> online, like yeah. <laughs> you know, communities that just still get to hang out with the game they love. Yeah, I mean, I think for an MMO, like the 
the obligation of support is a, is a sure. little bit more. Uh, but Rainbow Six. And, yeah, dude, yeah. Rainbow Six. Um, Breakpoint. I would. I would. I'd back off. I'm sorry. Breakpoint players. It's not. You know, Ghost Recon. It's time to time to pack it up. Time to pack it up. Don't um, know me more updates. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because the Ubisoft pre-E3 thing where it was just like them in all their different open world games like going forward, that's like your ideal Mm -hmm. video. Like I bet you just watched that and felt at peace. And I – Crew 3, next gen, I'll be down to see if they could do one. Series X. Yeah, I I think they probably will. Did did the Crew 2 do well? well? I have like no concept on – No idea. I don't really know how well it's done, but – they, they wouldn't have the support if they weren't doing well, yeah. right? I think that's the the evidence right there. Mm. I don't remember a lot of cheering when it launched. I remember like you being, you know, rightfully so because you were reviewing it. You like when we had a conversation, I was like, "This is fun." You were like, "Yeah, there's all of these <laughs> myriad issues that right. I have that I would wish all racing games would do." Um, but uh, yeah, it's a series I would uh, definitely check out if it came back. Mm. Uh, well, it's time to heat things up. That was a nice, chill crew two conversation. Uh, so let's get into the sizzle, uh, and I, you know what? I want some. I do. I want some heat on this. Uh, so for the sizzle, you know, in, in honor of Fourth of July weekend, what I came up with is, in your opinion, what is the worst major holiday? Now, don't throw me bullshit like Arbor Day. Ma- well, or major Presence holidays can be the hard part to determine. Like, yeah, what? yeah, yeah. I mean, the big boys. You know, like I'm talking uh, like. New Year's, Valentine's Day, St. Patrick's Day, Easter, um, Thanksgiving, Mm. Christmas, Fourth Mm. of July. I think New Year's for me. Okay, might be a good place to start. Yeah, might be a good place to start. Okay, okay. yeah, because it it there's not really you just stay up really late and watch a clock countdown and drink and. And then it's like everyone makes a bunch of promises that they abandon two yeah. weeks later. You know, it's like yeah, <laughs> blood. I think what, New what are we is actually celebrating? And you know what? what? I I feel like the entertainment industry like kind of lets us down on New Year's. You know, like like think about Christmas, right? And how many like Christmas movies they make, and like how like shopping malls like transform. Right. Like you go and you watch like the ball drop right. and whatever like dumb concerts they do and they're always fucking terrible. Like they're just not well good. Everyone's on vacation. Yeah. That's always cracks me up because mm-hmm. I I think Easter's more horrifying than New Year's, but I'll roll with this. Well, I also I'm, I'm interested in your Easter. I also day. well you, you know we've all played Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also was in Vegas at the Millennium uh, when the ball dropped, I was on the strip, and that was pretty awesome. That was definitely a memory that I. But uh, I do sit on my ass a lot to uh, many of the other uh, New Year's's. But it's funny being uh, married to Amanda because she's in the entertainment industry, and so she's going out for commercial editions and games and movies yeah. and uh, and like right around the time around mid December where we're like, okay, we need we should just stop. You know, like one of it, like you know, Isla God Lover like takes off. You know, like I was just like, I'm gone. Like you're like, I am getting on a plane. I'm out. Uh, her industry will just stop. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny because it's so competitive and cutthroat, but they do not mess with their vacation. <laughs> like yeah. they all, like even like the executives getting paid way more than they possibly should. Just no one needs to be here on Monday. Goodbye. But the, so the yeah, by January first, I mean they're in you know Cabo. <laughs> like they're not even watching right. the Clark's Rock and Eve. But, Cabo is such a like executive <laughs> place to yeah, go. Sure. Yeah, or but, islands don't even. But have that's names. what I think so funny about it though because. There's 
other than like St. Patrick's Day, maybe like there's no other holiday that just seems so completely skippable. There's so <laughs> many years where you're like, hey, it, you know, mom, are you gonna stay up? No, I'm gonna go to bed. And like, or uh, I gotta fly on New Year's, but the, the flights are cheaper, so whatever. We'll just, you know, yeah. we'll we'll watch the fireworks as we land out of the plane. You know, it just like, just people just if if they can skip it, they skip it. You know, you're, you're if so they go to a bonfire, they'll go to a bonfire. If they don't feel like driving that far, yeah. they don't feel and like driving that Hanukkah far. And after Hanukkah Christmas, you're just beat. You know, you're just like, who cares? Your comparison to St. Patrick's Day is really interesting because, like, I, I feel like St. Patrick's Day kind of has, like, this honesty to it that, that New Year's doesn't have. Right. <laughs> where, like, one, you get the shamrock shake, which is just a win. But also, like, St. Patrick's Day, it's like... If you want to, like, you just get shit-faced on St. Patrick's Day. It's just kind of, like, how you celebrate St. Patrick's Day, which you can also do on New Year's, but you're sort of right, Blood, where it's, like, this weird, like, oh, I, be- I guess I better come up with, like, a goal that I'm going to abandon in two weeks. And, like, that's just super dumb anyway. Like, there's the, – the key to success is to, like, have a goal that you deeply care about, not, like – some flimsy obligation just because it happens to be a new year on the calendar. Like, I, I don't know. I just don't think that, like, that's that motivating. There's so much of a buildup, especially after Christmas, because it's exactly a week after Christmas. It's the same day as Christmas is mm. New Year's Day. So there's so much of a buildup. But what's great about Patrick's, St. Patrick's Day, it's like you know, none of us are like, hey, St. Patrick's Day is in two weeks. You know, like, it just kind of creeps up. Like, yeah. I just always, like, forget. And then you're just like, oh. You're like, oh I was like, I'm not wearing great. the green shirt oh. today. Well, <laughs> I feel like St. Patrick's right, Day, like, has some, like, dumb fun to it where they're like, ha the beer is green. And you're like, okay. Yeah. All right. This is a silly. Give me another one, I guess. Yeah, this is a silly holiday. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, New Year's is good. Brandon, is yours Easter? Um, <laughs> Easter's just, uh, like, all I think of is uh, with Easter is pastels and uncomfortable pants and like long service like things, you know, whether they have a religious nature or just brunch. Like, ju- there's just a lot of commitment in loafers, and I'm just not a fan. And it's always mm. hot. It's always, for some reason, I don't know why. It's always just uncomfortable. Ugh, there's no clouds. There's just like lots of kids yelling and just, I don't know. This <laughs> is not, not a thing I would uh, generally look forward to. But that's just me. No, I I think those I have a are lot of things. great Easter memories. So I have a lot but, of great yeah. New Year's memories. But I guess we <laughs> party different ways. No, um, it's all yeah. I mean, well, many Easter's I recall I was with family, so it's always nice to be yeah. around family. It's just sometimes that family would go somewhere where. Um, I remember I remember losing it one time, and this is so silly. Just like a view into my mind, we were waiting to be seated at this place, and there's a piano, and some kid went over and started jamming on the piano, and I lost it. And Amanda's like, what? She's like, he's just like playing piano. I'm like, do we all get to play piano? Can I play piano after him? What if every single person in this room played piano? <laughs> what if everybody was like, oh, it's my turn. What if you just like, everywhere you went, constant piano playing. She was just like, do you not like to have fun? I'm like, I don't understand why this kid gets to be the center of attention. Says the guy with like five podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, thinking about it, I think Fourth of July has kind of lost some appeal to me. Because like, I have really great Fourth of July memories, uh, and like as a kid, being like very entertained, like going to like you know the citywide fireworks and like that being really exciting. Mm-hmm. And then when you're a teenager, right, it's like the illegal fireworks, and you're like, oh yeah. But like now as an adult, like that's not even cool anymore. It's definitely sure. it's definitely harder here. Yeah. in L.A. Yeah, and it's, it's, so it's just like just the the whole parking nightmare of wherever you might want to go. Yeah, like it like across the board. 
fireworks have just kind of lost their appeal. And as you're saying with the parking, it's like, I don't know if I'm motivated. Like, I don't know if it's that cool that I want to, like, deal with the traffic nightmare. And so it's just like, really, the only thing you have to look forward to, which is not bad, is, like, grilled food. And that's fine, but it's, like, not special. Like, you can have a barbecue whenever you want. I don't know. If you live in L.A., you know, on the 4th of July, someone's going to blow something up somewhere near That's you. That's fair. So, like, you're, That's if, someone's, fair. if you don't do fireworks, someone will take care of it for you yeah. in, your, in your relatively near I vicinity. will say, though, I hear even more of that in Omaha. Wow. The booming is going for v- quite a few days. Mm. And I don't know if... <laughs> loud, uh, loud booming. <laughs> and I don't know what... Um, I mean, obviously, you know, many interna- many of our international fans don't celebrate Fourth at all, but... Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, for people in the U.S., I don't know if it's the same, but, you know, everybody buys their fireworks like a week and a half earlier, and so it's just like... Uh, not so much where I live now. In my, you know, used to live by the beach, and um, people were... I'm assuming testing them for many nights leading up to the <laughs> Fourth of July. It's almost like the Fourth of July was like a bummer. It's like, oh, our fireworks are gone. It, it's but, so uh, funny because, like, occasionally we'll get comments from overseas people, and they're like, ah, oh, man, like, this is too, you know, America-centric, or, like, <laughs> I can't care about this. It's, like, a very American-specific thing. And it's like, I get where you're coming from, and I think it's an understandable sentiment, but let's, like, what do you want me to do? Like, this, right. This is, <laughs> like, on some level, like, this, this is, this is where, where I live, and this is going to shape... How I talk yeah. about things. I yeah. went to Europe the summer after my senior year of high school, and when the fourth rank came around, we were in Paris, and we were at our hotel, and then like the guide came in to let us, you know, like, we're about to get on the bus, and none of us were like thinking or expecting anything. We were just like, oh, it's the oh yeah, that's right, it's the fourth, hey, happy fourth. And she like came in with a little flag, and she was like, ah, <laughs> we were like, oh my okay, gosh, that, yeah. Yeah. woo, <laughs> let's go see the Eiffel Tower. I, but that's actually, I mean, honestly though, that is actually something I would like to experience more is is those country specific holidays. You yeah, know, I'd love definitely. to be at like a cherry blossom festival, yes, blood, or something in Germany or whatever. Uh, that's yes, why they're so cool. Uh, you bless all of the people on our showcase here. That uh, you know, once a month we do the showcase, and a lot of that's awesome photographs from. Yeah. You know, even when it's someone of one nationality that I, is not mine going to another country, same thing, you know, and experiencing it through that lens. Like, Well, well I'm going to take it a step further. I would like to experience every Japanese holiday yeah. as yeah. intensely as possible. Like yeah. Golden Week, man? Yeah, I you know. You get a week of this? <laughs> I know. All, all the, the way that I get to celebrate Golden Week is there's like a PSN set. <laughs> you just play the NES Zelda all week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this... <laughs> Sizzle, I do think you guys brought the energy, so I appreciate it. This Sizzle is brought to you by some wonderful shout-out to your patrons. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you would like to find out more, it's a $250 tier. Go to patreon.com slash easyallies. Um, and for this one, let's do let's do our best Waluigi in honor of Mario Golf. Let's do our best Waluigi. Uh, so shout out to El Thanis, Greg the Dark Knight Kettering, Caleb Togi Crawford, Edgar So I'm a Spider, So What, Esdocal, Nick, Blue, Dave McKilligan, and Jesse Blue. Shout out! Blood, that was, I think that was my favorite one. Okay, let's get back into the games. Um... Waluigi's great in the adventure mode. Is he? Wario what does he do? Waluigi Zach, do? That outfit, I mean, I man. I don't know. 
I'd, Ooh, I'd love like, to do that spoilers, outfit no for like a Halloween costume, yes. but it's got to be expensive. Yes. <laughs> but there are a lot of good outfits in Mario Golf. So yeah. Waluigi's great. Bowser's great. All the villains, really, I think. Toad, Toad's very Toad's, Toad's hat is, is, Toad's is very good. Like old vest. Toad's is very good. Toad looks very good. Yeah. Um, Pauline looks great. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, let's talk about... Blood, uh, tell me about Lost Words Beyond the Page. Yes. Yeah, uh, I've been meaning to check this game out for quite a while. Finally got into it uh, today since uh, the, the frame trap crunch. <laughs> uh, it's my show, and I ex- I, I definitely experienced the frame trap <laughs> game crunch. Yeah. So I think about halfway through it. It seems like it's probably uh, six, five or six hours, something like that. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's uh, for to, to not sound too much like Huber, but it's it's intimate and emotional. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely how I put it. It's, it's so funny because yeah. you're. To bring that up, like I love Huber's Huberisms, but in the context of Easy Allies, I think sometimes, like if you say culmination, <laughs> does does the audience think that you're saying the literal meaning of the word, or right. do they think you're saying the Huber meaning of right. the word? Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, so it's a uh, kind of indie, small budget, uh, modus published uh, sketchbook games is the the name of the developer. Uh, Appropriate. And uh, yeah, you're you're just Essentially, there's essentially two halves of the game. So the where you start with is uh, with the little girl's journal, and so pretty much you're you're walking your way through this story and through narration, and the words write out across the pages of the journal, and you control a little girl who basically platforms on the words. Oh, cool. Uh, and and then they start throwing in other mechanics there to where okay some words will uh, they'll, they'll be like torn out and you can like pull a word from one place and then use that as a platform and jump across to get to the the end. A lot of the times as you're going through uh, the things that it's talking about, then these uh, sketches and illustrations will just spring up uh, as like watercolor bleeding across the page and looks gorgeous. Uh, my favorite part about the game is, is the, the watercolor imagery. Mm. Um, and then they do all of these other little fun mechanics with things. Uh, there's one point where uh, talking about like cutting the grass and all this grass will pop up on the bottom of the page and you'll grab the word cut and you'll slide it across the grass to, to chop it all off. Uh, similarly, there's another part where they talk about uh, photographs, and and you grab the word "remember" and like, kind of like a squeegee, mm. like go across the photograph cool. to reveal the the image. And uh, a a little ways in, then it introduces the other side of this, and the, basically this little girl wants to become a writer, mm-hmm. and so she's talking about like what kind of things she wants to write, and she decides to write a fantasy story, and you kind of sort of write it with her you make different choices um along the way and some of it is is kind of basic like character creation so you like you pick between three different names that the character is going to be named you pick what kind of color her clothes are going to be is it like when you say you write it with her is she like i want to name him frederick and you want to name him bartholomew and then like is there like a difference of opinion or does she just kind of go with what you suggest there's uh, there's not a difference of opinion. It's kind of like you're 
you're like deciding between like her different thoughts. I see. You know, so it's like she talks to you as if you are the journal gotcha, in a sense. Gotcha. You know, um, and uh, and so and then those different a lot of times those different options will kind of have like a like in blue text next to them sort of like what she's thinking of like oh this this name's more fun or this name you know could mean that or whatever uh and then once the story starts up now you're in a whole other thing and so there'll still be words that'll show up across the screen in white Mm -hmm. uh but now it's a fully like there's no more pages um it's fully like th- like it's side scrolling but like 3D mm-hmm. modeling and stuff like that and uh you play as this little girl i picked robin for the name it's uh, a great name robin <laughs> is a great name and she becomes like the the guardian of the fireflies and so your so cursor is <laughs> is a <Yeah>. firefly <laughs> okay uh and she also uses words as sort of like your power-ups. Mm-hmm. And so there will be times when the, the narration or whatever, there will be a word that you can grab out of a sentence, and then you can use that word. And so uh, the first word you get is rise. And so you could stand on like a platform and then move rise under the platform, and then the platform rise up. You can jump off. Is rise obvious? So like, oh, that's one of those words I can use, or did you find yourself? Oh, no, it's very obvious. Like, it's, oh, okay. it's, again, it's kind of like a cutout kind of thing. Were there any points that you just, like, clicked on a word just for funsies and were like, oh, I thought I might be able to use that, but I guess not. No, it, like I said, it's visually, it's very clearly, very are clearly there, communicated. Are there any words that can have a negative effect or, like, an unintended effect? Uh, I wouldn't say negative or un- uh, unintended, but there are things like burn... Like break, mm. um, and then there's also repair. And so I've, I just went through a section where like you, you break a thing and then you repair the thing to kind of move between different uh, paths in an area. Uh, and and uh, there's one that's uh, silence that you kind of use for stealth. Mm. And so you like put like a silence bubble around your character so that can she can sneak up to things that uh, might skitter away or or close up. Um, and uh, and it goes back and forth between these two things. So, um, there, the 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 little girl that's writing, um, something happens in her family, and it and it kind of you know makes everyone kind of uneasy and sad, and 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 so she's trying to process all of this, and she's trying to figure out what she can do because she's just again she's just a little girl, and part of what she decides that what she can do is she she can keep working on her story that she so that she can share the story with her family members. Um, and so you, you kind of have this, this interplay of like, okay, what's happening in her life and then what's happening in the story. Uh, and it's all, it's all pretty, pretty, pretty cool and pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, the other thing with the words is uh, some of them, so when you, when you grab a word, um, s- some of them she'll write in her journal. And so then you basically open up the journal and, and grab it whenever you need it. Mm-hmm. Others are more temporary. Gotcha. Uh, or you might have them for a certain section of a level, and yeah, then okay. they'll they'll kind of dissipate. Huh. Um, it reminds me, and I, I I can't even remember if this is the correct name. Is it Untitled Swan? Is that what it was? Um, Unfinished. Unfinished. Unfinished Swan. Unfinished Swan. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. They, this... oh, I played that game like eight times. <laughs> yeah. It it reminds me of um, Unfinished Swan, and I I think like the point that I'm trying to get at is. In Unfinished Swan, a huge appeal was, like, going to a new area and just seeing, like, 
what was going to happen, like what mm-hmm. mechanically was going to kind of define this zone of the game. And I think that that's something that, that smaller games can really excel at is some of them, like What Remains of Edith Finch is a good example of this too, yeah. where it's just like, it's not like so many games where it's like, okay, this is the gameplay loop and it's very clearly fine. It's like anything could happen. It's very open-ended. But I feel like sometimes uh, those games, what they struggle with is because there's kind of so much going on mechanically like they're, 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 it's just you know so crammed with ideas that like basic stuff doesn't feel that great like you mentioned platforming do mm-hmm. you feel like you know that was smooth and responsive and like easy to perform um it's what's weird is i feel like the platforming on the pages and the platforming in the like more realized world is, is a little bit different in mm. terms of control but uh, yeah, I mean it's it's not the greatest, and I and I think it's not necessarily like the the focus of it in a sure. way. You know, I mean it's it's definitely something that you do, but a lot of it is it it's interesting because as you move through the world, like the words and the narration continue to happen, and so there will even be parts where like you go up these steps, you know, and you have to hop up to each step, and every step that you hop on, another word appears oh. and calls out and like continues the sentence. Mm. So it really is that sense of like participating in the story. Uh, and there's another part uh, in a desert where, you know, you walk into this tent and she's like, oh, so I can tell from my surroundings that the people that used to live here used to be. And then you have like three options. You have like warriors or merchants or philosophers. Mm. And I slotted in merchants. And then all of a sudden there was like, you know, these bowls full of, you know, what looked like probably fruit or something that popped up and these statues of the guy with holding fruit. And then I interact with similar statues like all throughout the rest of the level. So I was like, I know like if I picked one of those other things, yeah. it's just decorative, but those statues would have looked different. Is this getting ported to something else or is there a sequel to this? Or is there some game that we saw during E3s? We saw a lot of independent games that you were like, oh, that reminds me of this. There's a game that we saw at E3 called Letters. That reminded oh, me of okay. this game. Uh, the weird thing with the release of this is last year it came out on Stadia, mm-hmm. and then this year it came out on um, more tradi- more consoles. Oh, so it okay. came out this year. <laughs> That's <laughs> not, dude. That that poker face was. <laughs> you confused me for a second. Uh, is is the the when you're communicating with the the girl? Is it all voice acted or is it just text based? Oh, it's it's mostly voice acted. Okay. Cool. Yes. So is how is the voice acting? Like, is it? It's, it... it's good. Like, like I said, like it's it, it's emotional because like you do get that sense of again just questioning, you know, right? You know what's going on? Like, what am I supposed to do? And sure, you know, because I don't want to spoil the, the situation itself, but yeah, you you really do get that sense of somebody that is you know just sharing those intermittent thoughts in a journal that they wouldn't tell to anybody else. Yeah, definitely. It it sounds like a really really cool game. Sorry, you probably mentioned this. What platform are you playing it on again? I'm playing the PS4 version on PS5. Okay. But yeah, I think this... it's on Switch and PC and Xbox okay. as well, but I don't know exactly. Yeah, this I want to give this a spin. Awesome. Um Boy, it's a Switch-centric episode because uh, the other game that I've been playing, I've also been playing on Switch, and that is um, Disgaea 6. Oh, yeah. And I, f- I feel like this is also a hard game for me to talk about because on one hand, I'm having a great time. But I think I'm having a great time in the same way that I would have a great time with like pretty much any Disgaea game. <laughs> and that's because like 
there really isn't anything that I feel like is directly competing with this guy. And that is sure. that might be yeah. a, that might be a confusing statement. I think if you're not familiar at all with the series or you've never played it, where you're like, oh, it's you know, it's a turn-based strategy game. Like those are in in some ways like seeing a resurgence. And it's like, well, yes, but also no. Like there is a certain brand of insanity uh, <laughs> in Disgaea that I don't think anything is really replicating yet. I'm about six and a half hours in, and my main character is like level 530 uh, to kind of give you a to give you a, an idea of. And I think the the cap in this one, I think they raised the cap, so it's like I think the cap is. Ninety nine million nine hundred ninety nine thousand and ninety nine is like the level cap that you could get in. It's like lira, <laughs> like the currency. You're just like what? Yeah, I have ten thousand. What? And it's like you're 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 hitting dudes, and it's it's calculating like tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of damage. And and big numbers are definitely like a hallmark of the series. But Brandon, like uh, there are mechanics in this where I'm like, you would just lose your mind. Yeah. Not only are you can you like grind out your characters to your heart content, but you can grind out characters by going inside of items. Yes, this that's yes, this. yes, yeah. I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah. So it's the item world, and like you, you're like, oh, I want to power up this weapon, and to do that, I go inside of the item, and I am going through floors and fighting, you know, randomized. Uh, yes. Maps and, and enemies and <laughs> like, things. Blood, what's wrong with me? Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I I have that I, I don't know gene in me as well. Where like it's this the number. There's so many numbers going up in Disgaea, and it's like <laughs> extremely satisfying. Um, but I think in a way, so like comparing it to the last entry, Disgaea Five, I do think there are some things that are just like strictly stronger in this game mm. where like again you're kind of going against a, a big bad but i think the characters are like a little more charming like i think they're they're always charming in some way but like your main dude is this zombie and your companion is this zombified dog who used to be a great sage and like the the zombie, your main character is just like an asshole. Like he's just a dick. He doesn't care about anybody. He's rude to everybody. Um, and he keeps going after this god of destruction. And he just keeps dying. And he just keeps getting re- reincarnated. And so he's trying to uh, kind of fight against this god. He keeps losing, but he you know gets stronger every time he's reincarnated. Mm-hmm. And you'll reincarnate in these like ridiculous worlds. Like one of the worlds that you go into, there's this king that thinks everything that can be solved with money and then you get reincarnated into a musical world and there's this princess that's always singing um and it's just there is like a lot of great irreverence that i don't think is for everybody but i actually think for the type of humor that it it does it's done like pretty well like i find it charming and entertaining like the item world that i'm talking about you have these you're going through it and you don't know what's going to happen and so you might go through like an, an optional door and <laughs> what my favorite moment that's happened in the game so far is I go and I like apparently stumble into this demon bank, right? And it just feels like a chance encounter. And I go up to the lady and she's like, are you sticking me up? And I'm, and then I like, I talk to her and she's like, okay, fine. Here you go. Here's like, you know, 5,000, uh, hell, uh, the currency and then I'm like, I'm just going to talk to her again. And she's like, don't push your luck. And then all of a sudden, I'm in battle with, like, these creatures that I just cannot kill. And they just annihilate me, and I get a game over, and I lose all my item world progress that I had at that point. 
And so that kind of reminds me of uh, uh, going after uh, Charon in Hades. Oh, sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that is. Um, I think Hades is like a weirdly appropriate um, comparison. And I, I think the other thing that Disgaea Six benefits from is it's like, you know, this is the sixth. There's more than six, but the six mainline Disgaea, and it's like all of these mechanics that. Uh, have been kind of like built up to this point are like again here and it's just like there's just so much you can do it's like if you really want to go crazy like you there's so much customization that you can do with your characters you can just tweak everything and so there's there's a lot to dig into and there's a lot going on um and i'm having a great time i really am but it's like with how much time there is between these games like there's been a long time between disguise 5 and disguise 6 like there really isn't it's not a dramatic evolution by any means. Like, I, I don't know that I could recommend you play this over Disgaea 5 uh, in terms of, like, I don't think that there's there's a lot new here. And again, I think it's kind of saved by Disgaea kind of carving out this very singular space mm-hmm. in terms of strategy. Um, I, I think that helps it. But it's not a, a dramatic revolution. And I think the biggest thing that Disgaea 6 can kind of trumpet is... This is the first one to feature fully 3D models. So the characters are not 2D sprites anymore. They're they're fully 3D models. And they have a very charming look to them. But again, I'm playing it on Switch, and it Mm. defaults to, like, graphics mode. And the frame rate is just a mess. Uh, Oh. And so I was like, well, I'll do performance mode. And I bump it down to performance mode, and it's like... This is like hilariously blurry. Uh, like this is this wow. this robs it of all of the charm that these models wow. inherently have. Thankfully, there is a balance mode, and oh, okay. it, it 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 feels like a compromise between the two, where it's like, okay, I think you know some of the charm and detail of these models is still present, but it doesn't run like garbage. But it's still like you look at it and it's like, God, I use this. <laughs> I just, you're crying out for some like anti-aliasing like it just <laughs> it, it's it's such a shame because again kind of going back to my monster hunter stories 2 comparison is like this is not technically demanding like you're not doing anything here where it's like okay well i can see why the frames are dropping um and again like you know you'll do a, a special attack with one of your characters um, like that, that, that king that I was talking about where he's like, everything can be solved with money. One of his attacks is called the King's Cannon and you're just literally shooting like, like fine things at your enemy. It's just like <laughs> gold plated things. You're just, you know, pummeling him with it. And it's like that, that ridiculousness is, is there and it's present and it's charming, but it's just undermined by the fact that it's like, it doesn't feel technically up to snuff. And you're like, it, this is also coming to uh, PC, and so maybe those prevalent yeah. problems won't be as prevalent there. But, you know, to kind of uh, fight against that argument, this is the perfect Switch game. You know right. what I mean? Like, you absolutely want to play this guy on Switch because it's like, oh, you know, I have 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I'll do, you know, some item world grinding or, you know, I'll just, like, check out. Like, I have some events. I can talk to my characters uh, in kind of the hub world, and so it's like it's like the perfect portable game, and it is so weird that I feel like you have to. The performance is so bad that you definitely need to talk about it um, in kind of a kind of a frustrating way. 
But yeah, I don't know. It's it's also one of those games that I feel like is hard to recommend where it's like if you enjoy Disgaea, I definitely think you will get a similar like almost identical satisfaction out of this game, but as I was talking about like there's so many mechanics that it's like I wonder if I showed this to somebody that's never played it if they would just be overwhelmed mm. or like I guess if you're willing to grind it doesn't really matter cuz you can just kind of like brute force your way through the story. I don't know. I, I'd be curious to see um, how somebody completely uninitiated uh, would feel. But I like it. I'm having a good time. There are significant problems. Uh, Brandon, you it's funny because you and I, I feel like, are kind of revisiting this series at the exact same time because I have also been playing this game a little bit, and that is the original Fable. Mm-hmm. The original? Yeah. Oh, yeah. wow remastered which i never checked out i i would say this game holds up surprisingly well parts of it yeah part yeah the the parts i thought would hold up are holding up Mm. Uh, and that's what's always what i've always thought about fable is that like it's there's such a charm to it and i love the music i love exploring the world um but especially the first one is so rigid (laughs) in some ways sure it's funny because you have all this moral flexibility and you have uh, I, it's kind of like getting back to the um, the you know yellow arrow buttons for the camera in GoldenEye 007. It's like going back to this and it's like, how did the combat work? Oh, right. Like this button is just the sword and this button's the bow and this yeah. button's magic. And, Boy, it's like, extremely simple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm just lightning. That's just what I do. Like I don't really have a lot of versatility with my magic. But right. um, and the, and it's it's like in a Final Fantasy two way. It's so straightforward. It's like you shoot a lot of arrows, you level that up and. You get a general XP from enemies, but the more you physically do stuff, you can get more of a the, that XP as well and yeah. upgrade those the specific orbs, abilities. The, yeah, the, the colored orbs that. And do. there is a great. I, I I was hoping this would hold up, and it, it actually does, which is surprising because you know, especially companies like Naughty Dog have made such big leaps and bounds in the PS3 and PS4 era in uh, animation. But I remember equipping a great sword in the original fable and I couldn't use it but he still held it mm-hmm. and he would just like drag it behind him and like, <laughs> oh it's kind of the game being like he doesn't have a physique you know yet for you to use that sword but even like I remember and this was Xbox so this is many many a gen ago I remember like attacking you know if I'm attacking this person then I want to attack blood it doesn't automatically just kind of snap me around it kind of accounts for the fact that my sword's already over here so like my character will turn toward you, but has to like swing the sword in that direction. So like where the character was going and where the weapon was going felt like two different weights. And I was like, wow. I remember at the time being like, this is kind of, you know, kind of kids gloves a little bit. It's very, you know, it feels like you're playing a fairy tale if it, yeah. you know, but at the same time, like I got like headshots uh, earlier today. I was playing a little bit before we shot this and uh, got a guy with a headshot. His head rolled off and just rolled down the hill with like leaving a blood trail. And I'm like, this is a weird Monty Python. Right. <laughs> like, right. you know, the little girl needs looking, wants me to collect dolls for her. But then I'm also like. Well, even the teaser of the new one. Murdering you get the fairy bandits. flying around and then yeah. frog. And I think they definitely leaned into that more yeah. with Fable 2 and 3. Got a little Are more adult. Are you playing the enhanced edition? Yeah. It's funny because I'm also playing the enhanced edition, and I didn't before. And yes, I, I played same, Fable a same lot, thing. you know, because the you know I had to play Evil and all that stuff. It's like, in some ways, like the enhanced edition looks really good, but uh-huh. the faces are like terrifying. <laughs> they're really good, but the animation yeah. still like PS2, yeah. Xbox, and so it's very bizarre. And there's some close-ups where they're just these yes, new, like, very you know, dead-eyed. Yeah. yeah, 
uh, um, can be a little creepy. But you mentioned the the Monty Python uh, sort of like comedy. a Terry Pratchett kind of you know. I and I think that's why I I like had the impulse to say like I think this holds up is because it it you know kind of like I was saying with this guy is like I you know I play so many RPGs and like nothing has really captured that fable vibe. Yeah. And I think to illustrate what I'm talking about. There was this side quest that just like tickled me. I I just loved it, and it's very early on. And this guy is like, "Hey, I want somebody to like date my daughter, and she like likes this very specific style of hair. So go and like change your hair, and then like and then he, he like keeps sending you back and forth, and keeps having you do like ridiculous things yourself. Like go get this mustache, and then you end up finishing the quest after doing this like I don't know like four or five times. I don't remember how many it is exactly. And you come back, and he's just like. You idiot. Like, there is no daughter. Like, I just am amazed <laughs> that I got somebody to be a clown. Thank you for entertaining me. And he's, and it's just like, you asshole. And it's just like, it's such a fun, like, fun, weird quest. Uh, and that, that, you know, purely focuses on, like, kind of the goofiness of Fable and how you can customize your character. And it's funny, like, you make yourself look terrible and then you, like, go into a place and like they just start laughing at you. you know? Yes. And that kind of stuff I think really kind of gives this game some vitality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think one of the things I was curious to examine going back and playing this game uh, now was what, you know, what is Fable? Like what can they still retain? Because I remember the, I remember the kind of Toontown-ish you know, like, um, you know, curvature to just the design of the world. Things are like a little off kilter in a, yeah. in a whimsical way. Remember the writing. I remember the music for sure, because I've listened to the soundtrack on repeat mm. for, you know, ever mm. since the game first came out. Really, really good score. All the Fable games have great music. Um, but I was like, does gameplay hold up? Is there anything? And I think one of the major things from just a pure mechanic level that I'm like, I can't remember really any other RPG that does this is like emotes in a yeah. single player RPG. Right. Have a value yes. are kind of fun, and I it, like even in something like Dragon Age, it would be fun after if something's dead to just be like yes, and and like if you're in proximity to somebody in your party, they'll react to that, you know, or like <laughs> you could boast, or like if you you know get intoxicated, or like just have moments where like I'm not changing the story, but like the people around me will react. Um, Ratchet and Clank does such an amazing job of like you go into an area and something happens and the, everyone in the area reacts like mm. every like it actually happens to not just the environment but the, but the people in it, and so it's fun to like I was remodeling my house back in Oakvale and just hit I I, I finally leveled up to the, the ability that I wanted which was you just push everybody away from you, and I got that and like actually hit the B button and just broke the windows destroyed all the furniture. And it's my house, but I like hit a guy that was like walking by the door, and I got in trouble, and a guard ran in, and I just like reloaded the save. But it's like that's fun, like yeah. a world, a world that's cyberpunk's kind of fragile in that way, in a bad way. <laughs> like you can, it's pretty easy to break cyberpunk. But it would be neat to see the emotions and and you know the way that they react to you know even just like the way you're dressed or like a fart or something. It, yeah. it's <laughs> there. There is a strange value in there, even though it is very kind of Sesame Street sometimes. It's funny that you bring up cyberpunk because I've always been. I've always had like this weird problem with Fable because I remember I I played Fable One pretty close to when it launched and I remember reading there like the hype around Fable. Oh yeah, and I just oh it's out of control. Yeah, 
maybe maybe I'm imagining this, but I feel like I remember reading like, oh, you're going to be able to like plant a tree and yep. like watch yep. it grow. Yep, yep, yep. And it yep. was like that was like the headline. It, yeah. it, 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 <laughs> there was like this grandiosity with Fable that it was being talked about that that like. You know, you when you actually played it, like of course you're going to be disappointed. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and I do definitely think that Fable. You can definitely see like there's there is like a roboticness to it. Like you emote, and then it's like, oh okay, like they have this kid oh, response. Yeah. It's very wobbly. And <laughs> like I, I remember playing Fable Three, and it's like you get to be the king, and it's like it, the way that, that translates is not what you have in your mind. Yes. So that's kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. And so like I, I feel like like expectation versus experience has always kind of worked against me for Fable, but now revisiting it and not having that expectation, I do think I can kind of appreciate smaller things yeah. like the emotes that you were talking about in a way that that I couldn't before I guess yeah it's uh it's very charming and yeah the combat the combat just has nothing to it i mean it's just like the sword fighting you're just like mashing away but i do think just like playing around with the townspeople and it's just like you can like get romantically involved with anybody you you want <laughs> yeah. it's like you can buy any of these houses you know and like if you're in the mood for like com- some some like sandbox shenanigans, I do yeah. think it can be entertaining. Uh, uh, dare I say, you know, non frustrating. Um, uh, when you bring somebody else in a game, basically Dead Rising. What did I say? Escort quests. Mm. Oh, okay. uh, they're pretty charming. Again, there's a lot of people that you have to follow. Like I like that there are like lots of merchants. So like when you're out on the road, like you'll see people that will sell stuff and flip out. And if like you just happen to stroll by when all those bees like respond, like they'll all be pestering some guy and <laughs> you run over and kill them and he'll cheer, maybe follow behind right. you as you're leaving the zone. And it's like it's neat. To, granted, those zones are very, very small. Again, it's like many generations ago, but uh um, I can't it, – it's the kind of attention paid in a storytelling world that it's not like, oh, I remember then when this game last gen did this. Like, I can't recall any other game that right. put that much attention, you know. Um, and, you know, I'm sure something like a Deus Ex rivals it in terms of, like, world building. It's just specifically that, you know, this world that just does not take itself that seriously. Yes. Still has villains, still has, you know, threats and stuff and, like, and, and spooky parts, actually, uh, from what I recall. But um, just be, it'd be fun in the new one if you just go full warlock and you got horns and everything. And there's like little kids in the main town following you and you're just like, ah, and they all yeah. freak out and run away. Like it'd be neat to be able to express yourself that way. Yeah. Uh, my, my, you know, dip back into Fable uh, has made me really excited for the new one. Uh, just because, A, what they can do on current generation hardware. But like, you know, like we've been saying, like, that not taking itself too seriously, that very specific, very British humor, yeah. I, I, I hope they can recapture. But if we get that like behind-the-scenes development sitting at their desk looking out the you know windows and the side of the building, if we get that trailer and they're like, so we long believed that the you know combat in Fable was uh, terrible. And so we yeah. upped it. I'd be like, great, that's fine. You know, I have no nostalgia there. Like yeah. Whatever you need <laughs> to do to clean it up, it's just, yeah, the writing and the expressing, I think, are the two things. that Definitely. Uh, like, keep those two. Those work. How much of the work in terms of like texture detail and stuff from like Forza Horizon Four, I wonder, will cross into that? It'd be, it'd be very I, like I could see them doing this where there's like a side quest in the new Fable where you go through a portal and suddenly you're like <laughs> oh, sure. in a car, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or, 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 I don't mean like, be in a car, but I mean there's so much yes, detail yes, and like yes. the walls you'll, and the you'll farms be able to and, like collect a little yeah. sports car that you can put up on your like in your house. 
that, or like they'll so be, I'm curious, they'll be like portraits. how much of that they pull <laughs> yeah. over and then like okay make this fantasy. <laughs> Phil Spencer's in Fable. Okay? Man, I mean that's just happening. Like. That, that that's something that's kind of exciting about Forza Horizon Five. Like I'm looking forward to it because I think the Horizon games are fun, but it's also a game like you're getting in that like almost PlayStation Two sense where you're like. It just looks so real. I have to see it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that very, like, game magazine kind of hype yeah. uh, is definitely there. Uh, and what's also hype is this Hotake. Oh, uh, and, boy, it's kind of a perfect segue because uh, we were talking about Forza Horizon 5 and how good it, you know, is, is presenting itself. And, uh, there, like I said, there's kind of been this running theme. You know, we talked about it with Mario Golf. We talked about it with Monster Hunter Stories 2. We talked about it. This guy is six, where it's just like I'm playing these games on Switch, and I'm just like, come on, like I just, <laughs> I wish you looked better, I wish you ran better. Gotta get that and, Switch Pro, right? And so the Switch Pro is a very interesting thing uh, to kind of bring up, and I, I I will incorporate into this discussion, but I this is coming from a place of love. Like I genuinely love the Switch, uh, I love Nintendo games, and I have gotten so much use and so much out of my Switch. But now I like I almost feel frustrated by it where it's just like you just you clearly like your age is becoming more apparent with each passing day, you know, and that's like a that's like a a frustration that I'm dealing with. And obviously the Switch Pro is coming, but I don't necessarily think that's like a a cure all. Uh, But before we get into that, before we get into the Switch Pro element of it, you know, am I I want some perspective here. Am I too hard on the Switch? Like does do when you you know, run into these games uh, or these ports and they're just not performing well on Switch, is that something that that bothers you on a personal level? Or is it not something that's really come up that much? Um, yeah, it's it's strange because, yeah, the specific things that you're talking about, yeah, I haven't, I haven't been playing yet. And so, you know, like I said, Rise, I think, looked really good. Yes. Um, but I also think that, you know, I... I you know, with the, the Switch is like the size of my notebook, right? Like, right. It's, it's, it's this, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so there's only so much I expect out of that considering the PlayStation 5 just, you know, I can't put it in a backpack. So I, right. <laughs> it's it's a huge beast of a machine and my PC is even larger. So, right. you know, I, I, I definitely think there are certain expectations that come there. And the fact that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's four and a half years now. Right. That it's it it's been out, you know, at that small size, at the already being somewhat behind. Um, so yeah, we're getting to that point to where a lot of games on any system, you would start to see something struggling as people like try to push the edge. It's just funny because in Switch's case, people aren't really pushing the edge in the way that you typically think of because yeah. it's a handheld spec system. So it's funny because I wonder if my agitations are enhanced by the fact that for all of 2020 i just didn't leave my apartment you know what i mean like where mm-hmm. where the portability of the switch because normally in a given year for like different work things or you know just going home or whatever I'm, I'm usually like flying i feel like like five or six times uh maybe more in a given year and you know i'm there playing my switch and i think there is some still like magic when you're on a plane and, and playing like Mario Odyssey or Breath of the Wild or yeah. whatever it may be, where I just didn't get to have that. Like, it's not that I didn't use handheld mode at all in the last year, but my reasons for, like I was primarily docked because there was just no reason for me not to be, really. I think my take on this actually is one of the things in my, you know, 
like late GT days and Easy Allies days that like I've come around like almost full 180 because I mm. remember a lot of this discourse started around the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation 4 Pro when a lot of people were like, this game just can't. Oh, this yeah, just doesn't control, run. man, yeah. This just yeah. doesn't run. And like, even before that, you know, like I, I remember people mentioning stuff and um, uh, Spider-Man, I think, came out before Control and so there was like a, a question for like loading and stuff and I was very much like, oh, well, you know, this is just kind of what happens in this industry and like I kind of didn't think really that it was as much as bad of a problem as it was or that every now and then we would get a game that just you are doing yourself a disservice right. like, for checking that out. And now I'm at the point where like I got Amanda Phoenix Rising on Switch uh, for her birthday for Christmas and she really, really liked playing it. But when she first booted it up, I was like so excited. I'm like, oh, you're going to make time for it? Cool. And I don't want to like make you play games, but yeah, I enjoyed this game. So if you're going to check it out and I saw it on Switch, it was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. Exactly. I bought this for you as a present. I'm so sorry. Yes. And I love my wife. And she was like, what are you talking? This is like fantastic. And I was like, this is not look good. Like this. Yeah. Is- <laughs> and because 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 Phoenix is is uh, Immortals is is a, is a gorgeous game. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful game. And granted, yes. I'm going from PlayStation 5 to Switch. But I was yeah. still like, wow, they didn't get creative at all in terms yeah. of how they, you know, tried to represent this. And it's just so crazy to like have Breath of the Wild and have this game come along you know, oh, yeah. like, two, three, four years later. And like, yikes. Um, and so, yeah, we're really at a point where um, I think it, it was like you were saying about the size, like what you have expectations for. I'm not so much like, yeah, it didn't run that well. Or there's not a lot of content or, you know, the frame rate's not great. I'm more surprised like when we do get a rise or we do get an Odyssey where it's like, well, what's this special sauce? What happened? Like, how right, did they yeah. – is this time? Is this maybe a knowledge that they're not sharing with third party or not sharing with other partners? Right. Yeah, because or... like when – Doom or or Witcher Three or something comes out on Switch. I'm like, I'm just amazed they were able to make that happen. Yeah, I'm amazed right. that Doom Eternal exists on the Switch and it's playable, even though it looks like it's probably running at 480p or something. But yes. it's you can play that game. So, Blood, I'm glad you brought that up because that's also an element that I wanted to include in this discussion. And I do think the the lifetime of the Switch is very relevant here because. Like I definitely, I actually played a, a good bit of Witcher Three on the Switch, and it does not look great. It doesn't look, <laughs> you know, the way Witcher looks on other platforms. But you, it, it was kind of magical because you were like, I can't believe this has happened. <laughs> but I feel like there have been enough I can't believe this is happening moments where like now I've reverted to like okay, but yes, now I just want it to look good. You know right. what I mean? Like oh yeah, it's almost like done a full circle. Apex Legends, man. Yeah, oh. Apex. It's like I have not played Apex Legends on Switch, but it's like, why would I? Based on yeah. what everyone has said, and for uh, the person. And again, I'm not making you know dispersions based on who was able to you know locate or afford what console or whatever. But it's like if Switch is your only console and you don't have a PC, then. Sure, yeah, like get Apex Legends on Switch, but otherwise, I cannot think of a reason. Right, right even a right. friend, even if I had a friend, I'd be like, you know, right, yeah. I'm well, like, and <laughs> you know, Monster Hunter Stories Two in particular, it's just this is a game that seems to be made for the Switch. Yeah. Yes, there's a PC version, mm-hmm. but the Switch version should run well, and whatever well, you know, spec and engineering and engine you have to do for that. That should be like the primary focus because that seems to be the platform you're promoting this game for. And uh, it's funny because you talk about like Monster Hunter Stories on mobile, Brandon, and it like looks amazing and runs amazing yeah. on phone. Yeah. And so yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
and to to kind of bring the Switch Pro in, and I'm I'm a little bit hesitant here because you know we don't officially know exactly yeah, what it's, this machine is. Yeah, it's not is. a real thing. Yeah, <laughs> we don't it, like you know I. There so will be something, but yeah, what it is, nobody knows. Don't get mad, but we just we just don't have all the details yet, and so we don't know how things are going to work. But I think speculatively, looking at the Switch Pro, I'm like, I don't. I do think it's needed, and I can't wait for it. But I also don't think it's like going to exactly fix this problem that I have because, you know, presumably games that work on the Switch Pro are still going to release for the Switch Lite and regular Switch, right? And so it's like it's going to be kind of this like this PS4 to PS4 Pro mm -hmm. and an Xbox One uh, to. Uh, <laughs> Xbox One X. Which, Xbox One X yeah. Which one is it? I know. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Xbox One X. And so you're gonna have that problem. And I think of like control, right? Mm -hmm. And people like like base console performance like wasn't great. Uh, you think of like Cyberpunk, for instance. And so it's like, are we just going to run into that problem with the Switch Pro, where it's like it runs decently to well on on Switch Pro, but it like doesn't on Switch. And so it's like that creates anger and confusion. And then like people have a question, you know, you have that constant question of like, does this run okay on my regular switch or switch light? And it's like, I feel like that's just kind of a frustrating problem to have inherently. Right. right? Yeah. But I think I'm hoping and we'll see what actually happens with the switch, but I, I'm hoping that in a sense, that's just the way that the industry is is moving forward and we're just going to have that's just going to be the new reality right because mm -hmm. really, cause you look at the series x and it's like it's all there yeah you know it's like all the way back to original xbox i can download games and play them right and so and a lot of the new games that come out for series x we can still play that on xbox one right and the performance is what the performance is and and yeah. so i th i think that's sort of it you're just going to have to Accustomize yourself to. We're not going to have new libraries of things moving forward. Hopefully, mm -hmm. um, we're just going to add onto them. And if you have an older device, you have an older device, and it's not going to run things as well as your newest device. Yeah, and and maybe this is just a little bit of like getting older and like jadedness kicking in. But like, I'm at a point where it's like, if you buy a game for full price. It should run well. Like, that should just be a guarantee. And it's like, this is not a Nintendo-specific problem. Like, the Ninja Gaiden Master Oof, Collection, yeah. the PC port, it's like, this This is just unacceptable. Like, this shouldn't happen. Where it's like, you can't even change the resolution in the game. Like, you have to go into the game's files to change the resolution. It's like, <laughs> these are ancient games. Like, this should not, this is just unacceptable. And it's... I don't know. I, I just wish there was a, a more unified standard across platforms because, like, I get bummed out. Like, sometimes I'll buy a Switch version or, like, a, a PC version or some version of a game, and it's like, oh, this just happens to be worse than the others. And it's like, right? I, it, <laughs> on some level, right, like, I don't buy a Switch game expecting it to look like a PS5 game or a PC game. That's not what I'm saying, but it should be, like, if I buy a game on any platform, there should be some standard of stability, I feel right. like. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, it, yeah we're, it's a weird thing because as the Switch shows, things are more scalable than ever. Right. But, yeah, the, the scalability, you know, the, 
it, it's hard to figure out like where do those corners need to be cut. And then with things like with the you know once we see games really start taking advantage of the higher speed right. uh, SSDs, you know, well that's a whole other you know like how do you can't port that to the switch or can you or what do you do? What <laughs> right. you just walk across the field and then like stop loading? <laughs> like, I don't know. I think the the other element that kind of terrifies me about the Switch Pro is uh, availability of the u- the consoles yeah. themselves, and uh, like I've just been trying to get Metroid Dread the special edition, and I just can't. And <laughs> like somebody like forwarded me a, a, a Mario or a Wario sixty four link, and it's like, okay, this dude tweeted about this like a minute ago, and it's already sold out. And, you know, it's not just Metroid that this has been a problem with. Obviously, people have been struggling to get GPUs. They've been struggling to get PlayStation 5. They've been struggling to get Xbox Series X. And, like, you just know that this is immediately going to be a problem with the Switch Pro, right? Yeah. Like, there's, it's, it's a guarantee. And it's like, then you run into the problem where it's like, okay, no one can get their hands on this. Scalpers have eaten them up and should be punished. Um, <laughs> but then you run into the awkward situation, right, where it's like, okay, no one can get a hold of this. You know, theoretically, let's say like Breath of the Wild 2 is out. It's like, do I want to play this now or do I want to wait until I can properly experience it like with better hardware? And I just oh, feel like there are all of these Miles Morales questions. right now. I mean, that's yeah. Like all PS4 owners are. Right. Yeah. And I guess just out of curiosity, I, I just played Miles Morales on PS5. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to be able to do that. How was the PS4 version? Did, did you guys I, hear it? I did not hear any okay. glaring complaints. They didn't have as merry of a Christmas as you did, Bloodworth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On no. their PS4s. Right. Um, but, yeah, I mean... In terms I heard of, from Insomniac it runs great. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, in terms of, like, availability, it's it's nuts to me that I feel like we still haven't seen anyone just create a waiting list, you know? Well, I think Sony has done that with the PS5 where they'll... They open up these queues, the but queues, I don't quite yeah. understand how that works. Sure. But I, I don't... I feel like on some level you should be able to just go to a shop and like put my name on the list and if you're number 50 then okay whenever it comes in right all right you you know confirm your order you know and confirm and your credit card's charged and it comes through obviously there's millions of people that want these so it'd be a huge logistical task but it seems like somebody should be taking advantage of that yeah i I feel like the point that you're getting at right like on some level when demand is so high there's only so much that the supply can do like on some level there's going to be a shortage but based on just the absolute mess that has been going on like there has to be some sort of there's to be something we can do to make this like a little better is is i think what you're getting at and i totally agree yeah, because it's it just like, the, oh, they're available five minutes later. They're not available. And it's just right. this thing. And just like, just, I put me on a list now. Right. When they're available, charge mm-hmm. me. Right. And it's like, <laughs> like. I shouldn't have to be like waking up at 7 a.m. every morning right. to find out if they're available it or not. It shouldn't be like I have it in my cart. And as I'm checking <laughs> out, you take it from my cart and say it's no longer available. It's yeah. like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. I agree with you. It's like even if I, even if it's like, okay, I, I know I have to wait in six for six months, but in six months' time, I'm guaranteed to get one. Like that would be better. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I was just speculating, and I just very doubtful that like there's some kind of value to them like seeing people dashing out in spurts, you know, kind of controlling like, okay, go now, you know, and then like had that fervor somehow creates excitement around the console mm. rather than if they had some kind of back end system. 
It's like, oh no, everyone's just waiting. You know, there's no like exciting time when all of a sudden a bunch of people have new ones. I feel like I don't believe that. That was literally retail, when both of you a, looked at me. That was the thought in a I was big having. box store. <laughs> that makes sense, right? To have yeah. people rush in and then because they're going to buy batteries and all whatever. But online video kinda, for the evening news. You're going to buy things it. when you want to online. Like yeah. you're, you're, and with this kind of thing, you're going to buy it as fast as you can and not worry about buying anything else because you want to check out now. <laughs> I guess. I guess. You know, you do bring up a good point where it's like, from our end, from the consumer's perspective, it it would be so nice if this was, like, easier and simpler and, and there were better ways for people to get the products that they wanted. But from the, like, manufacturer's perspective, like, as long as it sells, do, do they yeah. give a shit? Like, is right. there really any impetus for them to improve this? You know, like, for as much as the PS5 and the Xbox Series X have been... Uh, in short supply, I don't think that has like harmed those brands in any significant way. Oh, the opposite. They yeah. was the fastest selling console in the history of consoles. So yeah, they figured it out. They 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 made enough of those suckers. But so. But you have to think on some level, right? Because I think a lot of the praise that Microsoft has gotten recently, right, with um, backwards compatibility and Game Pass and just like these these small things that they're doing, and sometimes you know very big things that they're doing that make the consumer experience better, like. That has to like curry some favor, right? Like, mm-hmm. like maybe there is no like huge consequence if they don't do these things, if they don't make it easier. But there has to be like some benefit, even if it's small. Right. So right. you think like one of these companies would maybe become a leader in that sense. And it is tough to get a Series X and S, depending on where you want to, you know, your retailer and when you try to get that stuff. But there are three brand new Xbox Series X controllers based on Space Jam that I saw (laughs) from an article on their website. (laughs) I was doing research for the podcast. I think controllers are actually fairly available. Yeah. Um, so, you know. From when I was looking around, because I'm going to be controller shopping for the studio soon. But Nice. Yeah. Fun things that uh, you also have to get up very early for, Comic-Con apartments, or Comic-Con hotel rooms. Oh, gosh. I remember at Defy Media, literally the entire company, all like at the same time, were like, click! And we got nothing. It's <laughs> like, whoa! We had a whole building all on the same team trying to make it happen. Couldn't do it. Dude. That's insane. <laughs> I have like, never done Comic-Con because of how much... Uh, how insane it is and it's like it's such a bummer because i do love conventions and i've had so many great memories of conventions but there's also been times like like anime expo is just too big now like there's just too many but i yeah like properly enjoy it i have a friend that is always going to concerts he's always going to weird festivals and stuff like that and so it's like i've i've gotten up early in the morning to help him try to get fish tickets and stuff and there is like a weird magic to it like there Mm. is a way like he just always manages to go like he always manages to get you know, and not just because he has like all these weird, gross scalper friends. Like he just somehow manages to. I don't know. Hang up on the right people or how something. Did, you know, I, does, don't, I, don't, I don't know. The magic touch. Are we ready for some emails? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this one comes in from Embon, who wants to talk about progress in games. Hmm. Uh, we have a couple Mario Golf inspired emails. Uh, <laughs> Sup, stick wigglers and button mashers. Uh, reading the comments section on the recent friend code episode about Mario Golf Super Rush has me thinking: Is unlocking playable characters in a new game rather than having them all unlocked to begin with really the kind of progression we should be asking for in our games? So many comments were complaining about them all being unlocked from the start instead of being rewards for beating tournaments against the character or just specific mm. challenges because we've been trained to expect that sort of loot. 
But isn't it better having a large base roster all unlocked from the start? Lots of modern games opt for this instead. Mm. That means when friends get together to play the game on release night, or especially further down the road, there won't be any worry about someone having a completed save file with all the characters unlocked already. So everyone can grab their favorites without hassle. It also tends to be a major boon for games in a tournament setting. I understand the desire for some kind of meaningful progression you feel as a player, but should playable characters really be the carrot uh, to dangle there. What do y'all think? And if not characters, then what meaningful unlocks would y'all recommend instead of to keep a game's progression feeling meaningful? Very good question. Yeah, in Adventure, you get new clubs that have weird powers and new outfits and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would kind of, like, I hadn't thought about that before, but I think in Mario Golf, you could, uh, it would have benefited from maybe splitting the difference. Specifically, like I said, they, uh, uh, Wario and Waluigi are, are kind of fun in the campaign. That'd be neat if they just specifically them and maybe Mario. Like we're not actually, that'd be weird if you couldn't play Mario right away. But um, if they had, yeah, an assortment and like you get you unlock those as well. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I, I guess I didn't think about it because I was like, yeah, there's the cast. And I didn't think like if you restrict that. Um, uh, uh, I don't know why it just popped in my head, but like Mortal Kombat is such an incredible progression. I remember even just uh, um, Injustice 2, I was like, I gotta pull myself away from this. Sure. I'm unlocking the most innocuous convers- you know, the uh, outfit pieces and just yeah. like oh, right. loving every yeah. little well, every little trickle ooh, of gear. costumes would be a good one. That and in yeah. Mortal Kombat 11, it's like, it's fun because it like dramatically changes how you look. Yeah. You know? yeah. Just like, uh, yeah, even just color. You know, even just like swapping up different color patterns and yeah. stuff. Because um, the, the things that this reminds me of the the best example is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe because mm. I had already played Mario Kart 8. I wasn't going to go back through that loop and unlock right. all these cart parts and stuff all over again. Uh. So it's at any time we play that game, whether it's online or whatever, and then I go back to the menu. It's like, you unlock this thing. It's like, oh, yeah, cool, right. Sure. And then on the, But then on the other side, it's like I'll try to like put my cart together. It's like, man, I feel like... The combination is not quite right, and it's because I haven't unlocked all that stuff. I haven't taken that time. I'm just picked up Deluxe to, you know, keep playing it with friends and right. stuff. I I think about uh, my time with Super Smash Brothers Ultimate and how it came at like the perfect moment mm. where it came out in December and I was going home, and so it's like I just got to like play a bunch of Smash Ultimate by myself and like seeing that roster slowly unlock and get yeah. better and doing those fights with those characters. It's an event anytime. It is. It's yeah. like, yes, it's so much fun and so awesome. But I think like hypothetically, what if I got that and then like my friends and I just wanted to play all the characters right away. Like if I was in like a more of a party situation, how I would have felt. And it's like, well, I probably, it probably would have irritated me, but So I think the way to split the difference is, like, just have a cheat code. You know what I mean? Like, just have a cheat code where it's, like, if you enter it, you can unlock all the characters. Just a thing in the options. Like, at the very, very bottom. Yeah. Or, or like, uh, for, yeah, I mean, options might make sense. But uh, I think, too, like, maybe separate it versus, like, single player versus multiplayer. Right. You know, if you're going in and you're playing multiplayer, it's like, they're all of they all, all of them are. And if you're going single player, well, you got to unlock if you want to play that guy. Because I do think unlockable characters are really enticing, mm-hmm. and I think in something like Mario, the idea of getting unlockable characters like what you could get like crazy characters or like super obscure characters that could be really fun to work for. Um, but I or you I, could get Rose Gold Peach. 
Yeah. <laughs> Even yeah. just like a little marker <laughs> next to the character that shows that I've beaten them online or in single player or something. Like even yeah. just something mm-hmm. dumb like that, I would still be obsessed if I was like, oh, I still haven't beaten right. you know, that one character. I mean, like, it, it might even still be cool, you know, for that mechanic. Because you can, you know, get those challenges even after multiplayer matches in Smash. Yeah. That could still happen, right? Right. You could still do that. And it's like, hey, here they are. Unlock them for single player. But you can play them as much as you want in multiplayer. And that's actually a really good point to bring up because I talked about like that party setting with Smash. It's great that you do have that alternate way to unlock them because when you're playing with your friends, then it becomes an event. Like it's happened where it's like, oh, wait, we were going to do another match, but Isabel is challenging us. All right, let's see if you can beat her, dude. Like that, it, it kind of works both ways as, as a satisfying solo experience and group experience. I think a lot of games could learn a lot from Smash. <laughs> Like it's it's amazing that Smash does all so many of these like uh, weirdly specific things that like no one else seems to copy, and I don't understand it. Um, yeah. Our next email comes in from Beaks, which is a fun name to say. We got another uh, Mario Golf question. I think you're gonna <laughs> like this one, Brandon. Uh, Beaks says. Hey, Ben and Allies, Mario Golf was one of my most anticipated games of the year, and it has been a blast jumping into it. Been a little disappointed with how much there is to do, but overall, it's been real fun. The game has made me realize uh, that golf games are one of my favorite genres in all of gaming. Hmm. I really want to jump back into Toadstool Tour Mm -hmm. uh, for a bit, and I'm really looking forward to trying out Everybody's Golf. Everybody's Golf is great. I recently was able to purchase a PS5, as I have very fond memories of Hot Shots Golf on the PSP. But what about you guys? What are some of the games that you played that reminded you of a genre you loved or first got you started in that genre? Thanks for all the jolly vibes. Um, I mean, like Mario Golf on 64 was just like... I remember, like, I think I was the only one of all my 64 friends who was just like, this game. Really? Oh, man, Mario Golf 64 is great. And, uh, yeah, the GameCube version, of course. I think I, like, might have tried one of the mobile games, but it was really just both of those uh, that were so very specific. And it was just something about, um, I can't think of another genre, even in sports, where it's like, I would be hanging out with friends and none of us would be paying attention. And then all of a sudden, it's just like, what? Oh, okay, shut up, everybody. (laughs) You know, I'm like... Okay, I'm sorry. What were you saying? You know, and like just in that 12 second period, you were so completely laser focused on what you were doing and you were competing against like seven other people. Right. And then you were just back to, you know, talking about nonsense for 20 minutes and then, oh, no, all of a sudden it's my turn again. And like, I can't, <laughs> I can't think of another multiplayer game that like has that kind of pace. So that's always a. Uh, I can. And, and, it's, and it's one that I, I still think is, is pretty cool if, if you actually are in the situation for it. It's. Just Wii Bowling, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Passing yeah. around that controller for Wii Bowling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but that came to mind as like another, like I'm, I'm leapfrogging off all kinds of stuff. Uh, but talking about Mario Golf, uh, even before Toadstool Tour, uh, Monkey Golf and Super Monkey Ball mm-hmm. and Monkey Bowling, love both of those. Like those are really, like they're they're more fleshed out than should even be called a mini game. There's, sure, there's yeah. a lot going uh, with those modes. Uh, and so I'm really looking forward to like that collection, that Monkey Ball collection yes, that's coming out I'm because too. so many cool, crazy, good mini games that I don't even really care about going back to the, like actual Monkey Ball. <laughs> oh, I want I all that other stuff. Well, man, <laughs> uh, I don't know if we have room to get into it here, but like Monkey Ball is like, 
unrealized potential in a way that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like because the appeal of Monkey Ball is its simplicity, but they just like can't it, get it right. Like it gets so ridiculous. Yes. It gets so impossible. It's like, what do you want me to? You want me to flip the stage? I think to fly off. I of think this that thing stuff and then is l- awesome. Land on a rail and it's yeah. like you know when Damiani does the impossible just because he thinks it's right. like amusing. You yes. have to do that kind of stuff in Monkey. Yeah, yes. you have to be Damiani <laughs> to even get seventy percent through the campaign. Um, <laughs> going back to the the kind of central question, the email where it's like, what game? made you realize, like, oh, I really like this, and it's maybe not something you think about all that yeah. much. Uh, Ace Combat 7 mm. uh, was like, oh, yeah, like, dogfighting games can be awesome. Mm-hmm. They just barely exist. Like, there aren't that many opportunities to right. uh, kind of participate in this genre, and it used to be a lot more prevalent. Like, I remember, the, I think it was this F-16 game on Genesis that I would just play over and over again, and it's like, oh, this is so much fun. And Ace Combat 7 is so good that you're just like, yeah, there should definitely be more of these games. Um, yeah, I, I had a very similar experience with Ace Combat 7 where it's it's not a genre that I look at and it's like, oh, I'm really excited to play this. Like even like Star Wars Squadrons, you know, that's on yeah. PlayStation Plus. And like, okay, I'll download it. I'm not sure when I'm going to check it out. It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm sure it is. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I loved going through that Ace Combat 7 campaign. It's just, just something about it. Like just seeing that it exists doesn't like spark me mm-hmm. that right you way. You need to, you, yes. Once, but once I'm I the sit same down, way. there yes. it is, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. This need for Pokemon Snap, new Pokemon Snap, to come out right before E3 and for us to get like three or four cool photography games. There's one that's on Steam that's black and white. I can't remember. Everything's 2D. And so you have this really small environment so you kind of get right in the middle of it, and then you can rotate around and look and weird little things happening. And um, uh, the game that uh, Maravilla Island? Maravilla you know, Island, like, yeah. So it's neat to have like a celebration of photography because I was playing Pokemon Snap and it's just like, oh, right. I've been doing this for so long. Ever since I've been capturing game footage, I always try to like, yeah, yeah. like a cool shot. So it's neat that I'm like, I'm being rewarded fi- finally beyond <laughs> just sweet montages. Um, and so that was a thing. Yeah. I forgot. It was probably Pokemon that got me into it. I mean, even stuff like Metal Gear Solid, you're scanning and mm-hmm. you could take taking photos, photos Solid, and yeah. Dead Rising and yeah. Pilot Wing 64. Pilot did Wings, it. Fatal yep. Frame. Man. Oh, I'll give you Pilot Wings. The oh. ghost concept in Metal Gear Solid is so cool. Where you like, you can take photos at specific points, and it'll be like a weird ghost of somebody. And yeah, I don't just steal more ideas, game. Right, that's, that's what I'm saying. All right, we've got one last email. This episode has gone by quick. Um, from Son of Sparta. This is another uh, email that I picked. Definitely have you in mind, Brandon. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> I was the last minute ad. Step aside. (laughs) No, I I didn't mean that as an insult. I just saw this and I'm like, oh, Brandon will appreciate that. Uh, So he says, hello, Ben and allies. I hope you're having a great day. Inspired by Huber and Brad, I was recently making a list of all the games I've beaten. And when it came to the God of War series, I was reminded of God of War Ascension. Mm. Even though the final game was one of the weaker entries in the series, uh, I remember really loving its live action trailer at the time so i decided to watch the trailer again which is called from ashes mm-hmm. and i and challenge my memory of it i'm glad to say that eight years later this trailer still makes me emotional the song the scenery everything is just so well done i think i can comfortably say that this is my favorite live action trailer for a video game so i was wondering what is your favorite live action trailer for a game um 
technically it's live action because they did shoot it with a camera, but it doesn't seem like live action because it's kind of stop motion e. Mm-hmm. But that uh, that Halo spot with that the was battle. the first thing my brain went to. It was so it's cool so because it's like good. yeah, there's probably better trailers, but like that's a thing yeah. that they built. Yeah, and the know? music yeah. for, for a it. video game. Yeah, <laughs> just like whoa, and it. I mean it. You know, also you know, poo poo that trailer because. That never happens in the game. Is that referencing anything? It's just right. that it's but clearly it's some marketing, appropriate. It's some marketing yeah. team on Mars just yeah. like having a blast. Um, but uh, I remember that was just like way above and beyond. Um, hmm. uh, the uh, Sm- the Smash Brothers for sixty four where they're the all parking and they all beat the crap yeah. out of yeah, each other. Yeah, that fun. one's very good. There's a Japanese trailer for I think it's a Link to the Past. Where they're like all dressed up as dancing. Yes, they're dancing. Yes, that one's very, very good. Yeah, it's a weird, uh, but also from the Smash Brothers era, maybe even the same marketing team. Who knows? But the the battle tanks with the Snuggles bear. Yes, I yes, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's good. I'm struggling to think of live action trailers. Yeah, I know when we we done Trailer Jones, we definitely had had come across quite a few of them. They're, They're rarely good. Are there any but recent there are ones some, that really there are some good ones, though. Because yeah. I feel like we've kind of gotten away from oh, yeah. the live-action trailers. Well, because you have, like, live-action games. I'm trying to think right. of the guy. What is his name? The the guy who did Telling Lies, and then he did the... Oh, Sam Barlow? Yeah. Um, I mean, he's, you know, it's... Uh, you, you, I think you expect, okay, well, this is live-action, then you're going to be bringing in, you know, some, like, mm-hmm. top-tier talent, because his casts keep getting more and more expensive. Um, and so it's, yeah, it's it's... Same thing with like CD-ROM type stuff. It's just that it was. It, I don't think did time. Destiny do any live action spots. It feels like something they might have done. Uh, I think they did some of that stuff, but they're all masks. You know, right. so it wasn't like any like, yeah, specific actors and some stuff. Some stuff too, like the I would say Lance Reddick is that his name? Oh, yep, the guy yep, who was yep, in yep, uh, yep. Horizon. Yeah, that looked like live action. Yep. <laughs> you know, like the one shot of him in the the first trailer we got. Don't for forget Horizon all the weird too. Sony ads. Oh, and all for the, the yeah, PS3, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, the PS3 and the PS4, like yeah, I everything think, yeah. blown up, everybody in the, the bar and stuff. Oh, and oh, wait, sorry, the um, uh, Call of Duty's done a lot of really fun live action spots. There was, Man. I remember, there was one with like Kobe and like everybody had. It was just like some like lady in like a dress and an apron or like a bazooka, and then she was fighting. And then like at the end, there was like some guy. There's like some like you know uh, chef at some restaurant who had like two Uzis and he like blows up mm-hmm. everything behind him. Like, maybe fun. maybe I need to go back and rewatch them because maybe they're like more fun than I remember. But I always got the feeling from those Call of Duty live action trailers where it's like it feels like you're making a trailer with like references and humor that was like in vogue three years ago. Like you're just like you just <laughs> like weirdly miss the window on this. I don't know. Yeah. That's well. It's that's the thing is I think you're you're swinging for the fences so hard every time you do live action and so right. like it, you know when it doesn't play, oof. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not going to make me interested. Definitely. Uh, but uh, mm, definitely, definitely an old era. And I, re- I recall from Ashes, and it, w- it made me think of this because you brought up trailers I didn't. Um, I, I always felt bad back in the day when we would give out awards for trailers or do like trailers for the year because. Half of those would be trailers for games we've already played, and the other half we hadn't. And it's like, right. well, there's always a difference. Yes, and definitely. I remember kind of bringing that distinction up when we did top 100 trailers back at Game Trailers. And we were all just like, who cares? Yeah. Just, yeah, trailers that we like. But it's interesting having played a game and then you go back at something, and sometimes it's even better. Yes, definitely. Um, there was one Last of Us Part Two trailer that was or like, you, whoa! Or you go back still and watch a, the Resident Evil trailers and like, oh, they spoiled everything. Yeah, <laughs> still powerful. Trailers. Somehow yeah. they put the end of this game in these trailers. 
Well, that's going to be the end of this episode of Frame Trap. Thank Spoilers. you so much to my panelists, Brandon Jones and Daniel Bloodworth. This was a ton of fun. Uh, if you would like to send an email in to Frame Trap, the address is askeasyallies at gmail.com. One more time, that is askeasyallies at gmail.com. And thank you so much for watching.